Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome everyone to the Islanders Say Dive podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me here, as always, is our NHL analyst expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he is always the same. That's me. Also with us here is Phil's Facts. Phil, how are you doing this afternoon or this evening? Better yet. This evening, doing great. Just got back from vacation, well-rested, got some sun. Back up here in Toronto where the Leafs are melting down. <laughs> Can't complain. How white do you look normally if you just got, said you got sun? Whiter than this. <laughs> A little whiter than this. <laughs> now, I, now, Phil, before I, I ask you a quick question, why don't you push whatever you need to push right now? Well, actually, no. TJ, push our stuff first. I'm sick and tired of you pushing Phil's shit first before you're pushing our stuff. Um, yes, this is a twice a week Islanders podcast that occurs every Wednesday and Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're new to the show, we invite you to stick around a while. Subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, and follow on Twitter. We also go live during some of the games. As long as they're Eastern Standard Time, we'll usually be going live on the games as long as they're not on a Thursday and Sunday. The only reason we don't go live on Thursday and Sunday is because we have a separate podcast called TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. It is an all-sports podcast. We just talk sports and shoot the shit. Yesterday, we were going to think about going live, but uh, I made a little oopsie. I didn't know it was at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, the game time. Otherwise, we would have gone live yesterday. But yes, Phil's Facts is a co-host there, uh, and he's a, he's a guest there on Top Shelf Hockey Cast. And you can find him. Now, we've got this linked in the description below, as well as his Twitter feed linked in the description below. Okay, so is that it? Is that all you do, Phil? That's all we do. Okay, I sit down right. with David Tuckman and BD Galoff once in a while. Uh, if you want to follow David Tuckman and make some money gambling on hockey or other sports, he's at Tuck on Sports. BD Galoff is at BD Galoff. Very original. Um, but we talk Islanders whenever there's something to talk about, which this season has unfortunately just not been often enough. Or in the case of Grumpy, who's been waiting for a season like this for quite some time. I mean, this is this is where Grumpy makes his living. That's right. This is right my wheelhouse right now. <laughs> Your bread and these, butter. These podcasts write themselves for me. <laughs> now, oh, okay. before we get before we get into Islander stuff, Phil, we had a guest on this show. Oh, I want to say about a month and a half ago, and he referred to you as Phil's fiction. Talk about Andy, Andy Francis, grumpy. Oh. I was going to let Phil know if he was aware of this. Oh, I'm sorry. Battle. The, cat's, the cat's out of the bag. I'm sorry. I, I am aware because Andy did reach out and he wanted to get ahead of it. 
<laughs> knowing that I probably, I, I frequently watch your stuff. I, I don't watch every single one, but I watch as often as I can, of course. And I happen to see that one. Andy, Andy's very entertaining. He's a very nice guy. He's got very astute Islanders observations, and he's often right about the things that he talks about and tweets about. And he reached out to apologize and let me know that it was all in good fun. And it was, it was taken that way. So Andy, no hard feelings. We, we, we talk amongst ourselves now on Twitter. I love love it. First of all, anyone who comes on this show and thinks that anything we say about anyone is serious, uh, they're morons. Just, just telling you. So, TJ, I'm not going to touch that one. Yeah, I'm not going to touch that one, TJ. Right. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, but oh. we're we're joined here. Um, a little bit different than the last time we had uh, Phil on the podcast. Um, at least the last time we had Phil on, there was a little bit of a modicum of hope that the Islanders would find a way to fight and claw and scratch their way into a playoff spot. Um, at this point in time in the season, I mean, it's it's all she wrote. The Islanders, I think, are going to be, you know, sellers at the trade deadline. We're starting to see a lot. And, and you know, as a name of players who are being shopped around, what values may be. And there's a lot of shit that you're going to have to wad through in order to find what might actually be true because just about everybody, anybody's name is being thrown out there. Not everybody, but a lot of players' names and some players, I don't think they have any chance of moving. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, listen, we, I, I spoke to D- David and BD two weeks ago. We sat down and we went through every single player on the team. We did Mary, I don't know if you could swear on the show, but Mary screw and kill with every single player on the Islanders roster. Um, most players, I would say, are in play. If if a team would want to call up and ask about someone, I think that you you take a listen. You don't listen on Barzell. You don't listen on Dobson, per se. You don't listen on Wallstrom right now. But I would say that most players, if it's something that could help you next year and beyond next year, I'd say take a listen. But some of the ideas, and I think what TJ is referring to, are the the Kyle Palmieri talk, the Josh Bailey talk, there are no suitors for these players. Kyle Palmieri has a full no trade till next summer, till summer of 2023, and then it goes down to a 16-team no trade. Which playoff contending team right now could commit three more years at $5 million to someone who has that, right? They're not going to want to be able to take – they're not going to be able to take that on from a salary standpoint, and then you can't get rid of him in the summer. Something that makes sense is Varlamov. Right. If a team like Vegas thinks that Leonard is not going to be able to play in the postseason, it's a logical fit. And then in the summer, Varlamov's the kind of guy that you could easily trade off anyways. So it could be kind of like a rental where they pay assets to the Islanders, take Varlamov, and then ship them off somewhere else. But this graphic you have up here, in my opinion, is nonsense. Well, I guess I I I, I should say the way it's phrased, right? It says that they will undoubtedly listen to players and offers on players like Josh Bailey and Kyle Palmieri. We got a lot of wiggle room right there, right? They're going to listen offers and players like. So not even Kyle Palmieri and Josh Josh Bailey, just players like them, and undoubtedly they'll listen. So there's a lot of wiggle room on that. When you see stuff like this, I had to say, pump the brakes a bit. We're not moving those guys at the trade deadline in all likelihood. You know, you can fantasize over it, dream of it, but they're probably not happening. Okay, Elvis didn't have that much wiggle in 1956. <laughs> I'm just saying. But uh, now, Phil, there's a question. You mentioned the game that you play. I wanted to know which Islanders you wanted to bang. <laughs> I mean, because that's what you said the game was. So I'm like, okay, 
I'll ask the question. I asked the hard hitting <laughs> question. Josh Bailey. Always Josh Bailey. Uh, there it is. That's you know what? Always That's Josh really Bailey. not a surprise. Uh, uh, but yes, and again, I, I think the most recent one, right? Josh, the Minnesota Wild are believed to have had a conversation about Josh Bailey with the Islanders. Nothing imminent at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe like Bill Guerin still thinks that it's Josh Bailey from ten years ago when he was on the team, and that he's twenty-two years old or something like that. I don't no, know. Doesn't no, make this, any sense. This is this is how it went. It went. Bill Guerin calls up Lou. Lou, don't even try to push Josh Bailey on us. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Click. So maybe they did have a conversation, but that was how it went. Uh, no, I think it's something like, hey, was. I think it was something more along the lines of, hey, Lou, we need a nice cost control right handed D man. What could we do for you in order to get Scott Mayfield? Yes, Josh Bailey. Josh Bailey is available. No, 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 Lou. I said Scott Mayfield. Yes, yes, Bailey is available. I, I think that's how it went. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I think mine actually sounded better, Phil. Nice try. But we're see- we're seeing a lot of names being thrown out there. I don't want to go over kind of d- distinguishing the two of who you think can legitimately be moved. Who again? Like I think there's a- you could bunch it up into different sections. I think there are players that are safe bets that yes, those players will be moved. I.e., your Zach Parises, your Cal Clutterbucks, your Zidane Charas, your Andy Greens. If you know, if 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 Lou is willing to let them go. And I think there are players where, again, it's a little bit more of a stretch, but I th- I could see them leaving like your Varlamovs. It depends on what the future is for the team. If, you know, you know, immediately if they trade a guy like Scott Mayfield, they're going to, they're going full on retool, full on rebuild. I don't think it will happen, but if, if you keep Mayfield right, I think you're looking to compete for the cup next year. Yeah, correct. It really would depend on what you plan on trading Mayfield for. Uh, But I think we could all agree that Mayfield is, if they were to trade someone, Mayfield is probably the most valuable trade piece that they have. For certain. uh, Considering his cap hit, considering he's just perfect for playoff play, as we saw last postseason, under contract for one more season. So this isn't a rental situation. But it would really depend on what they're flipping him for. An NHL-ready prospect, another NHL player on another team. I don't know. Draft picks. Draft picks. All I want is draft picks. <laughs> That's all I want. Nothing you want for Christmas? Now, I think Grumpy wants to be the Ottawa Senators for the next six years. <laughs> no, I'd rather be the New York Rangers from three years ago. That's what I'd rather be. We could talk about the New York Rangers, but the, what the New York Rangers did is just not – it's not achievable for pretty much any other team. You, you need to have a Ranger fan from Jericho – who happens to be a Norris caliber defenseman cry his way off two teams in order to come to play for you. So unless there's another one of those that want to come play for the Islanders that I don't know about, that's one. Number two, you need a top five winger to decide that he wants to sit down and settle on Long Island as opposed to Broadway or LA or some other premier destination, which the Islanders, they're just not a top five destination in hockey. They're just not. Even with the new building, I don't think they are. They're never going to win a battle with the Rangers. Now, the Rangers don't have cap room, per se, to add a Forsberg or someone like that. So already the two biggest pieces of the Rangers' rebuild wasn't Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere, who were their number one and two picks in back-to-back drafts, or two and one. Those guys are pretty met overall, and most of their other first-round picks that they drafted and they developed have pretty much been terrible. Philip Heedle has been terrible this year. 
Keandre Miller, he's okay. Do you feel good about him on the second pair in the playoffs? Probably not. Nils Lundqvist, they sent him back to the AHL. Braden Schneider is, you know, he's fine on their third pair. And then they happen to have a guy who's having one of the best goalie seasons in NHL history, who they brought over last year or two years ago. So that's just not a replicable model. So what you're telling us is we need to go ahead and start scanning through all NHL players' baby photos to see if anybody wears Islanders pajamas going to bed is what you're trying to tell us. That's a key portion of their success. Is Mike Commissaric available? Who? Mike Commissaric used to play defense for Montreal. He's from the island. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, maybe get Charlie McAvoy on board. Yeah, Grump, here's the thing. Yeah, the Rangers are not a team that were built through the draft. They... As a matter of fact, in the middle of the rebuild, they traded a first-round pick and Neil Pionk, a young defenseman, for Jacob Truba. And then they had good holdovers like Kreider and Zabanajad. None of these draft picks are carrying them anywhere. The model that you want to go by is just essentially trade every single person away for draft picks, kind of like what the Ottawa Senators did. Will the Senators be any good after this? I don't know. Who knows? They traded Stone. They traded Duchesne after they had traded Turris and other things for him. They traded away... Zingle, who was a pretty good player for them, they traded away Pajot, they traded away Carlson, and three years later, they're still a pretty shitty team overall. Well, yeah, but they moved them because they had no chance of resigning them. So, I mean, if you're going to lose somebody for nothing, uh, you have to move them. But they could trade them for NHL players, they could use those picks to trade for other NHL players. They just went completely rebuild through the draft. And no one has any idea how that's going to end up working for them. We, we've seen that already, right? We've had an Islanders regime under Garth Snow that had five top five picks in a matter of six years or something like that, including a one overall, three overall. And how did that work out? We got as far as the second round to get spanked by Tampa in five. Well, with I, premium draft picks and multiple first rounders in drafts. I, I do want to interrupt there. I don't think we're anywhere. If you were to do a full rebuild, as Grumpy espouses, we're not the Ottawa Senators. At least we have more young pieces to build around than Ottawa did at the time period when they blew things up. I mean, like, I, right? Are you getting Barzell to stay around for a rebuild? Is well, that's, he, is that's he where Grumpy That's have to Grump get rid of Barry Trotz. Well, oh my God, we got so much going on at once. Grump, I don't think we're going to be able to do full that one. But I mean, I don't think you're going to get Barzell to stick around for a rebuild at age 25. You've got Shabbat Shabbat was what, 21 when they started tearing things down? He wasn't even a regular yet. It's, It's entirely different. I don't think you rebuild. You have to retool, but you can do so in a in a in a drastic way. I, you know, it just depends on what exactly their ideology is, right? We've talked about it before. Is Barry Trotz the right guy for this team going forward? I don't believe that's the case. And uh, you know, I, I know Grumpy doesn't either, but I want to hear your take on that, Phil. I, I think it's as simple as he has one more year on his contract for five million dollars. It's not even a conversation that is worth having at this point because he's going to be the coach next year. The owners are not going to eat a $5 million loss and fire Barry Trotz after back-to-back ECF appearances. And it's something to discuss more probably into next season when he's due either for an extension or for them to part ways at the end of the year, or maybe even mid-year if they start off the season seven games below 500 by December. Why wait? But Avoid the Christmas rush. Dump his ass now, Phil. They're not gonna. They're just not gonna do it. I know you think Ledecky, do either it. Ledecky and Malkin are gonna eat a five million dollar loss on well, one of the best coaches in the NHL right now? How much? How much did they pay to build that arena? 
Because I mean, that's you're a making a very right compelling now. case as to why they're not going to fire Barry Trotz. How many? How was it not crazy that the Seattle Kraken had more of a packed house than the New York Islanders UBS Arena was? Like, I mean, like I look at during weekday games and I think to myself, "Oh wow!" I said Seattle Kraken. I mean, for as bad as a hockey team they are, I mean, they're kind of filling the stands. And I notice there's a lot of empty seats here, and the empties just continue to fill in UBS. And as we continue to slip slide our way out of playoff contention. It's only going to increase. I think what hits them in the pocket is saying, yeah, we're not filling the stands. Um, you know, that obviously is an issue. And if they see, again, I think this deadline will be telling as to what happens. Um, I think you've got to sell pieces. You know, do you keep a guy like Varlamov? I think, again, let, let's go back. I think there's four pieces we can all agree that probably will be sold. Andy Green, Zidane Chara. Um, you've got uh, Parise and Kyle Clutterbuck. We can all agree that those four pieces in all likelihood will be sold this year at the trade deadline, right? But I don't think all of them will go. I think I think Clutterbuck will. Um, reason with Clutterbuck is not that I want to resign him, but even if they did want to resign him, his home is in Garden City. He's lived there for so many years that he's not going to end up staying with the team that he gets traded to. I don't want to resign him, but the point is it's not someone that Lou would think he's losing. That's an easy asset to get right there. Andy Green and Zidane Char are in the same boat where Lou's just going to have a conversation with them. And if they don't want to be traded, they're just not going to get traded. Ugh. And ultimately, if you think Ugh. about it from, from a marketing a franchise standpoint, is going mercenary on Andy Green for a sixth-round pick and sending him west versus the optics of, wow, this is a pretty shitty organization that – a guy who was a captain of the Devils waived his no trade clause specifically to go to the Islanders because he wanted to stay home. Why would I ever want to go play for that team? Do you want is that worth the sixth round? Is that worth the sixth round pick? Here's here's the thing. No, that's not worth the sixth round. You pick. Want to He's forty years old and he's the only place in the league he'd actually be able to play because no one else is taking forty year olds on their team. Do you want another chance to compete for a cup? I mean, that's how I'd phrase it. Grumpy uses that all the time. I could yeah, say, sure, for a guy sure. they'll, they'll ask him the question. And uh, even if they say, eh, I don't want to, still uh, tough. I mean, this is business, man. Sorry. <laughs> I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I wouldn't news. do it. I wouldn't do it. If, if it's the type of thing. Lou's going to be gone anyway. Lou's going to be gone after next year anyway. So it doesn't matter what the cachet is on him or what the league perception is. He's known as, he's he's loved. He's heralded amongst the league. Is right? he going to be gone next year? He'll be here next year. Yeah, he's got more. He's got more year left, right? Trotz has one year left. Lou does too. I thought they oh, signed. So? Yeah, I thought they signed. Both of them had the same contract or similar. Lou is going to be here, I think, as long as Lou wants to be here, unless things really go off the rails next year. I mean, that's a separate conversation. But to me, the I think Char is going to want to get traded just because he's going to want to compete for a cup. Maybe Boston takes him back. Maybe Boston some other, will not take him back. As a seven D, who knows. Or, that, or maybe that bridge is burned. But, I mean, you're, you're really not talking about anything. Parisi is the interesting one because I think Parisi actually has real value, and I can't see why any cup contender would not want to have Parisi. Yeah. I personally am of the opinion that I would love Parisi back on the league min deal next year to play in the bottom six, preferably the fourth line with Casey Sezikis. But if you have an opportunity to sell Parisi and you could get a couple of picks like the Buffalo Sabres got for Eric Stahl last year, which is a third and a fifth, for a guy who is completely shot, which Parisi is not, um, if someone's going to offer you a second-round pick for Parisi, jump at it and maybe have a conversation about what his plans are next year and if it would be something that he'd be open entertaining coming back league men. If he continues to play on the first line, and to, what what is it? Was there a, a, a bus stop over there? What the heck is going on? <laughs> 
That's got to be something from TJ. I guarantee it. No, it's not. Girl, oh, no, that's something from me. What the hell, <laughs> Phil? Uh, anyway, go ahead, Grumpy. I didn't realize you're doing this out of a train station in the in the men's room. Uh, but I mean, seriously, Zach Parise, if he continues to play like he has now, he's on the first line. Oh, there's a shock. Um, he's, he, but, he play, he, he's got us yes, still. Yes, 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 yes. I understand. His value just goes up. I mean, if he continues playing like this, I could see you getting maybe a second round pick for him. I seriously at 37. I seriously think you can get a second round pick for a guy like Zach Parise. And and here it is too. I don't know. I, I to think that we're gonna be a cup contender under the same Barry Trots next season, I just I just don't see it. And that's why, like, you know, the big issue is, right, if you don't sell a guy like Scott Mayfield and you want to go for the cup, do you have the right coach involved in order to go ahead and allow you to do that? Um, but, I mean, Parise will get you more than I originally had anticipated this year at the trade deadline. And now that he's playing on the first line with Matt Barzal, <laughs> I mean. Let's hope it stays that way. Let's hope they keep him on the first line. He looked good. I love the hustle and the effort out of him. Again, he you know he was doing everything but scoring earlier on. But I, he's not going to be a guy who's going to play on a top six on any playoff contending team. But if he could play a bottom six role and do so with a lot of pop and energy. And again, he's very Kills penalties. Oh he's yeah, tenacious. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted out yesterday. His it's it's been a tale of two halves for him so far. First twenty three games, he had four assists and a goal, five points in his first twenty three games. In his next twenty three games, we're at the forty six game mark. Five goals, nine assists. Better than a half a point per game with the last 23 games. Is he doing anything differently from the first 23 to these 23? No. Four or five of those games happen to have been where, you know, you had three or four forwards out and they were playing with, you know, the AHL blue line. So that definitely had an effect on it because they weren't scoring in those games. But he's not doing anything differently. He's played well the entire season. The production just happens to be coming now. I think he's a valuable piece to any team that wants to take him and, I think that multiple teams will be interested and it's the type of thing where you, you might not expect it, but teams will get into a bidding war on that kind of player. For certain. I think you're going to get more than what you expect. I, I wouldn't even be shocked if you get a second and something. I mean, just looking at the way he's played as of recent, people always overpay at the NHL deadline. And so I think though those four pieces, and I, I hate the fact that, and I don't think it's that I'm, 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 I'm ignoring the player relationship aspect of it, but to think that we're going to give the option for a guy like Zidane Chara, Andy Green, do you want to get traded? I, If you're talking about a third, a second round pick or something like that, then you probably don't. But we're talking about a Braden Coburn price tag over here of a sixth or seventh round pick. That's really what we're talking about here. A one in a hundred to make the league in maybe five or six years from now. But is it worth... Is that for a perceived taint on the organization as a destination with regard to how they treat these players, especially in regard to Green, who specifically waived a new no-movement clause to come here. That's it, the only thing I ask. Is it worth upsetting that for a sixth or seventh round pick? You look I personally this, think not. You look at recent history in the sixth round, we drafted Jared Spurgeon, Anders Lee. We've had we've had successful players at a sixth and seventh round. I'm just saying, when you're talking about the draft for a team that doesn't have a lot to it, sorry, man, we need to make sure we're throwing as many darts on that board as humanly possible. I mean, Lee's been a guy who's been a top-line player for us for years. Jared Spurgeon, top-four defenseman. I, I, I don't know. I 
man, take what you can get. I, thanks so much for the service. You really helped out, and I appreciate it. That you know, I want you to have a chance to win a cup. We're doing you a disservice unless we do that right now. I don't want Listen, you to. Go I, I can hear that argument when when you're wondering why people don't want to sign here because we're mercenary about no it. No one wants then, to sign here anyway. No one signs perhaps, here anyway, Phil. Perhaps. And nobody and wants to sign the very job. I don't think this helps. I don't you think this helps. I just Trots, wish Trots is the biggest. Imp- imp- go ahead, go. I just wish TJ would shut up after he makes his point instead of trying to hammer to death. They mean, Phil, how do you like? Look at TJ spitting facts at you, Phil. How'd you like that? No, I love no that. Sense. I love that. Listen, we had Lee. You're right. We had Spurgeon. We traded him away. Anyone else recently come to mind? No, I mean, what was I, Lee? I, I 2009. I'm thinking of the most the most successful, right? I'm thinking right. Lee and as many person. kicks at the can. For somebody who's 44 years old and somebody who's 40 years old, they're lucky to be in the NHL right now. Lucky. No one wanted Zidane Ochara. No one. I don't care. It's that I don't care. How does it make us look? I mean, what? We have to worry about Andrew Ladd signing here? Who cares? No one comes <laughs> here to sign for us. Think no one with any talent is coming to Long Island. Barry Trotz is the biggest impediment we Hell have my. with signing unrestricted free agents. Nobody wants to sign up offensively. Nobody wants to sign up for that system and that style, I don't believe. And that's that's the biggest issue, right? We've got the brand spanking new stadium. That was a big issue. Well, we had to commute between Barclays and Nassau. Well, oh, that was a big issue. And okay, well, you know, Nassau Coliseum was a dump. That was a big issue. It seems like we, you know, we're slowly crossing everything off the list that could have been an issue. And now what's going to be the excuse going forward? I guess we'll find out this summer. This is going to be the first summer where they're actually going to have a lot of cash to play with. We'll see. We'll see who hits the market. We'll see who they bid on, and we'll see what they end up landing. Well, you I don't think Barry's as big of an impediment to it as you think he is. Um, but, I mean, the, the player's already getting paid. I could understand your logic behind 23-year-olds don't want to play for him because he suppresses their production by making them play more of a two-way, two-way game, a 200-foot game. He stresses the importance of back-checking when he should be stressing the importance of scoring and filling the net. And therefore, Oliver Wallstrom is not going to get the same contract that Joel Farabee got because Farabee played for a shit show where he was able to juice his stats in a team that gave up the most shots on goal. I think they're probably still giving up the most shots on goal. And Wallstrom's not going to get that. I could hear that. That makes sense. But a 28-year-old Philip Forsberg, who's going to be signing a contract until he's age 34, I don't really think he cares once he gets paid. He will not come here. Book it. Phil. He specifically might not come here, but that's not to say that other players might, you know, won't. I'm it's talking all- endorsements too, right? You get paid. Endorsements are how clients. That, that's how, no, that's no. how they're going to make a good bit. What are you? What are you shaking hands for? Do you look at a guy who's marketable, and you look at a guy like Matt Barzal, who's extremely talented, and you look at prior trots and with trots, and you say. All right, he's scratching and fighting his way to score 60 points a season. This guy, if he was playing on any other different system in the NHL, would be putting up 80, 90, 100 point seasons left and right. And again, you talk about how that's impacted his pay. I think it has. I'm just, you keep on pushing endorsements. Players get paid out the Okay, it's hockey. It's hockey. It's not the NBA. It's not the NFL. It's- Listen, there are really only two markets that applies to. That's the New York Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And neither of them have really any money to spend anyways. I mean, what are they going to go to Nashville and get endorsements? I mean, I'm just, I'm just want to hit again on, you know, Minnesota. It's like, yeah, going back home. Oh, I'm out from, I'm out. I'm a native out there in Seattle. Oh, I'm tearing up in the league. Okay. Now I'm posted on some McDonald's. I I mean, I tell you, you get, trust me, you get more through endorsements than you believe. I mean, like, here's the thing. 
what what's what's the difference of okay you're also going to have to pay higher taxes in the state you know, if we're breaking it well, down dollars in your pocket there's a lot that you take into account and new york is just one of those areas right if you're not getting the endorsements too just okay here's zdeno char's endorsement get sand and learn to skate just like me i mean that's that's what he can endorse i mean come on what i don't see any islanders getting any endorsements none now you're going to make me try to pull up some endorsements. Go ahead. Okay, I mean, let me go to, let me go to a, work. It's only a 12-hour podcast. See if you come up with something. <laughs> Can't think of any. Yeah, there are none. They don't. They don't get you know, the, the Josh Bailey Burger King commercial? you never seen it? <laughs> I, I think that was the one like where they were emptying out the trash, I think, for city sanitation. Oh, good gracious. Um, but we're in a situation where, right, I think those guys are going to be moved. Now, do we see a guy like Varlamov or just, a guy like – Can I touch on one thing? Yeah. One of the reasons why, particularly when the season – when they finally throw in the white flag, but, uh, right, they got to be a week or two away, that's it. And maybe, okay, we trade Andy Green or Zdeno Chara, and it gives Robin Sallow a time to play legitimate NHL minutes for the rest of the year. Right. See, uh, to me, I think that's an advantage. I mean, yeah. we've seen we've seen Aho play, and he's not looked out of place. I know you don't like him, Phil. I understand, but he's been okay back there. Mm. I don't mind him on a bottom pairing. I'm just saying, I'm willing to move those guys, even if it's just for a sixth round pick, just to get these guys ready for next year. Because Zdeno Chara and Andy Green are not going to be part of next year's team. So why not see if the young guys can produce? I guess that's the way I look at it. Right, I, and I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I, listen, I think they're they want to keep Solo down as long as possible, probably to see if they can get Bridgeport into a playoff spot because they're like this close with the, with the way the, the playoffs are, re, are reformatted for this year in the AHL. So I don't know when there would be rushing to call him up, but I'd, I'd love for Salo to get on that second pair with Scott Mayfield and see what he could do, put him in a more natural position where he's not playing on his offside and see how he does in a more normal roster position. Ajo's probably not going to be here next year. So I don't really care to see him play, but I agree. If you're able to get assets for these players and these players are not going to be here next year, you're not going to re-sign Andy Green. You're not re-signing Zidane Chara. More likely than not, Zach Parise is going to do what Joe Thornton and Corey Perry have been doing the past few years and looking at the best team available and trying to chase a cup. And that's probably what he's going to choose to do, in which case you trade him for what you get and you say your goodbyes. And then you plug whomever into that position who you might want to get a look at for next year. Kiefer Bello, Simon Holmstrom, whoever it might be. What? And Kiefer Bello, can... just Simon Holmstrom. My son saw Simon Holmstrom play. He's like, who is that translucent bastard pretending to skate up and down the wing? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you must be talking about, bing, 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 bing. You know, the hillbilly boy. Put him up. Not that. Well, Grumpy, uh, just because we're speaking about Simon Holmstrom, I'll put up I'll put up the one you want to see. But now this was the one that Phil, the assist that Phil's fax was talking about before the podcast had started. Now this right here is Simon Holmstrom, Grumpy. You're going to see him here in action number 15. On the PK. Uh, so he threw the puck towards the net and the guy knocked it in. You like how Bridgeport is trumpeting up early. That was it? Do you okay. like how Bridgeport is being outshot at that point, fifteen to five, <laughs> in the first period? Oh, I mean, well, Springfield, I think, is the best team in the division. They they, uh, they don't really have a chance in this game, I don't think. Uh, I don't know the score. Grand Hutton up with the big team. You're you're asking though to play over who? Dobson. Uh, Where are you going to play? Um, He's a righty. Well, what happens if you move Scott Mayfield, most valuable piece? 
by the way, Matt, Matt Barzal sponsored by CCM Adidas. I'm just saying, right. When you score more goals, you put more pucks in the net, maybe you have Bauer coming your way. You can leverage that into more money through endorsements. Oh. He's got a door. He's got endorsement deals, right? I'm telling you, these right. players have more endorsement deals. Than you for diamonds. That's what I'm saying. Uh, you know, he's advertised, so he's he's being a sponsor for hockey sticks, just like half the players in the league. I'm just saying, when you when you're scoring a lot of goals, maybe they're paying you a little bit more to be the sponsor for the hockey stick, and maybe you're on a few more advertisements that they send out in the little magazines where they say, "Hey, buy our hockey stick." You know, keep dreaming. What do you mean, keep dreaming? That's how it works. Keep bro. Dreaming. Up, keep up, dreaming. Up, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably gets. Fifty bucks a commercial every time it. Ah, uh, that's what it is. He, he signed. Yeah, it just. He, he free sticks. That. That's all he gets. Free like sticks. Those, like those late night things, those infomercials. They run at four, three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> hey, Matt Barzell for CCM here. All right, give him twenty five bucks. Send him on his way. So we're talking about Scott Mayfield now. This is something Grump and I have discussed. Unless you think you're a legitimate chance of winning the Stanley Cup this next year, you should trade Scott Mayfield. Scott Mayfield has not been paid very much in his professional career. What He's on $1.45 million a year currently, and he is going to want to get paid, right? You talk about guys who take hometown discounts. If I'm in Scott Mayfield's shoes, I'm not taking a hometown discount. I want to get legitimately paid for all the work and effort I've put in. I'm now, you know, in the prime of my career. I've never been paid much. I want to get paid. So if you, I don't think we're going to be able to re-sign back Scott Mayfield. He's probably going to want four and a half, five million per at least. After this, when he when he were, were to be eligible to re-sign or would like to re-sign. And if he goes on a free agent market, that's a guy who's easily getting five, maybe five and a half million. And we're not going to pay him just as simply. We're not going to pay him the same exact that we play Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak. I don't think we're going to all pay them the same amount. No. And yeah, when he comes up for UFA, he's going to be 31. That's probably not. You don't want to have another person on the back end around that age locked up for five, six years. Yeah. Hmm. To me, I mean, and this is where we're going to diverge a bit. I think if you're going to trade Mayfield for something that could be helpful next season and beyond, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. My main concern with doing a full-on rebuild is the best chance, and I, I think I said this before when I was on a few months ago, the best chance that this group or any Islanders group for the next 10 seasons is going to have to win a Stanley Cup is with Matt Barzal. And with that in mind, Everything they need to do, every move that they need to do has to be with keeping him happy and getting him to want to extend past when his contract is going to be up next year. Um, he could simply sign his qualifying offer and say, I'm taking $10 million, in which case you, you pretty much have to trade him because that's him saying he wants out. And that's what they would end up doing, trading him. I think if you're going to trade Mayfield to, they're talking about Toronto. If Toronto is going to give you a, a high draft pick, and also throw in someone like Travis Dermott who could slot in next year into the lineup, that's something I'll entertain. I just don't think you could strip away everything from this team and ice a non-competitive team next year and hold on to draft picks in the late first round that may or may not pan out in four years from now and just assume that Matt Barzell is going to stick around for that ride because I don't know that he will. When I'm when I'm talking about even I'm I'm not, I'm not saying hell bent has got to be picks right when you look at a team like Edmonton that's a team that needs help that's a team that needs defensive help right you know they've picked up guys like Philip Roberg and you say to yourself okay that's a guy who's you know on the on the precipice on the cuff of maybe breaking his way into the NHL you look at a guy like that in addition to draft picks I'm just saying there are options where you can get sure. younger I just think to myself 
Scott Mayfield, if you don't win the cup this year, it was a waste to keep him. Or if you don't, if you don't go to win the cup next year, it was a waste. And you've got diminished returns because right now you can promise Scott Mayfield, not only for this year, but for next year, for a top four defenseman who shows a little bit of offense, who's good in the playoffs for 1.45 million as a top four defenseman. That is fantastic. It's a great deal. I think it's more the deal than the ability that's going to get you really paid for a guy like Scott Mayfield. Sure. And and if you're telling me that we're going to get assets and those assets are going to be used as part of the package in the summer to get Jacob Chikrin, who's a very good second pair left hand D oh, on a very good contract. I hate him. You yeah. might hate him, but I think I think he'd be perfect here. Really? Barry Trotz wouldn't like him. I think he'd be perfect here. He's a freaking turnover machine. He's a turnover. This machine. year, this no. year. Listen, I, I I'm willing to overlook one really legitimately awful year from him in an absolute shit show where he wants nowhere but to be then out. And I would take a chance on a guy like Chikrin. Not many guys could score 18 goals from the blue line in 65 games. There are not that many defensemen in the, in the game that have that kind of goal scoring ability and who are also no defensively have? strong. How many Noah Dobson have? Noah Dobson has eight. eight or nine. Trust me. Noah Dobson, if you play with a different team, not under Barry Trotz, he'd be a guy who's scoring 18, 20 goals a season too. Absolutely, I, Phil. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember I was like, I still, I, I still feel I still feel firm that if you have the ability to lock Noah Dobson up for eight years, I'd throw six, six and a half, seven million dollars. Doesn't matter. Make it happen. Oh, look and at why? that. Make- why? Why? Why are why are you paying him more than what he's worth for the next five years? What for the next five years? The they guy, have five more years of team control on him. What's the point? To number one, you've got a guy. You don't want someone to sweep in. He's going to get offered. You're trying to tell me somebody wouldn't go ahead and look at that talent and say, "Hey, we can go ahead and really throw an offer sheet in there." If you don't, he's have not offer sheet system. eligible. Not, well, not, not this, not, not this year. It's not this time period, but next year down the road. I'm just saying that guy's going. No one's guys, offer sheeting him. Come on, no, no one, one offer sheeted Cal. I mean, I don't think McCarr was offer sheet eligible. He may, he may have been, but no one offer sheets anyone. That's right. No one. Yeah. I, I mean, I hate to agree with Philip. Takaniemi was all. Oh, come on. That was that was just a revenge thing because of what they did with Aho And Montreal probably, they knew that Montreal didn't even want to keep Takaniemi and they preferred Dvorak. And that's the only reason they did it. Well, he's they weren't upsetting agent. the apple cart there. Trust me. Takaniemi's a, a free agent after this year. No, he's still a restricted free agent. He's still a restricted free agent. Um, he could really screw the Canes by signing his, signing his qualifying offer. That'd be pretty funny. You know, if he just. I know what you know. I've I've always wondered why Phil pisses me off, and he's a nice guy. I like to, it's his name. I see Phil, and I think Philadelphia Flyers. So can't help it, can't help it, <laughs> Phil. But that's what I that's what I see. When Cam McCarr was offered, and he's getting paid nine million per. Are we really comparing Noah Dobson and Cam McCarr? Well, it's it's Noah not Dobson even it's paid, not Noah even Dobson close. Get, Noah Dobson get paid. Well, hold on a second, okay. It's not close. He's Noah not close. Noah Dobson is built more for playoff style hockey than Kale McCarr is. Would you disagree with that? When things get physical, when you need to use your body, who's got the ability to go ahead and use a body and who doesn't? Kale McCarr is not a guy who's going to be ultra physical out there in the ice. I'm not saying Dobson's a world beater, but he's got the ability. He's got the body size where he can go ahead and body people out in front of the net. Kale let McCarr him put doesn't. Pounds do on. I mean, let him let him put the muscle on and do it. You still he's see him 22. get muscle off. Bucks. He's 22. He's 22. Sure. He's a boy. But, I mean, you're you're comparing him to the best offensive defenseman in the game. I mean, it's yeah. it's. Not he's not even in the same league as the McCars and the Hiskinins and the Foxes and Shabbats. He's just not. Would you be opposed to an eight-year extension, six million per? I wouldn't. I would. I would. 
I would I would sign him for three by three first, and then you have another two years of control, and then you work from there. That's going to be a guy. That's You're, be if guy. you sign him for six million this summer, you you really impede your ability to do something to do something bigger than to do something that they need to do in order to get more talent. Has and then you have the Barzal and Wallstrom extensions that are going to be coming up after next year. And you're just going to be putting yourself in a pinch for no reason. I think you sign him for three by three. He doesn't have any arbitration rights this summer. If it was a situation where they only had two years of control left, like where they were with Pollock two years ago, where I said they made a mistake and they corrected that mistake by getting Pollock on a good deal this past summer. But if it was that kind of situation, I'd, I'd be in full agreement. But they've got another five years of team control over here. Why not get him for three? And then by the time he's due a new contract, You've got Anders Lee gone anyways. Oh, why'd you have to bring him up? Sorry. So he's, hold on. I just want to make sure. No Dops is going to be a restricted free agent until he's 27? 27, yeah. That, that's when that's when you become unrestricted. Unrestricted, 27 okay. years old. Same thing with Wallstrom. They both have five years left. Had Dobson played 41 games in his first season, they would have lost a year. Because gotcha. it's seven years of service, and gotcha. a year is defined as being half a season or more. Which the Rangers got lucky with Ryan Strong. I'm sorry. What did he play? Thirty some odd games that first I think year. He played like 36 games or something like that, plus gotcha. one in the playoffs. So that did not count as a year of service. They've got five more years on him. They've got five years starting next year on Wallstrom. Uh, I mean, if he was Macar caliber, where you'd run into a situation where you're going to have to pay that person 13 million when it's up, then I'd agree with you. But to me, his upside is is it's not Macar. How old is Makar? 23? I think he went in the year before Dobson, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody I thought he was old. I don't know. I, I, I thought when he signed that deal, he was 23. He's either 23 or 24. Yeah. And most he's 24. Okay. And then he signed that deal at 23. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Phil Makar. So they had, maybe they had maybe two years old. older than Dobson. He's 23. He's, he's 23, 23 right, right now. Okay. I'm just saying, could you see somebody swooping in? I know you say, hey, it doesn't happen all that much. You could pay you could pay a first and a third round pick for a guy like Noah Dobson if you offer him up to six point one million, even if you offer him four point one million, right? That's in three still years from now, and three years from now the owners will match they'll match. One that. Second. I'm just saying you want to keep players happy. The guy's an offensive talent, the guy's an offensive no. drill. I'm telling you. Okay. Can I just say something, TJ? Yeah, they go, go, never go. give the younger guys long term deals ever. But they make sure they piss that they took out that fire hose and blow that cash all over those washed up pieces of those jabronis who are littering the top six on this team right now. They can't help themselves. And that's why I say, Phil, you know, you say all these things, yes, yeah, this, we should do this, that, and the other thing. Do you really have any faith that we're going to be able to make moves in the offseason to actually improve the team? Because Lou has not made a move in the offseason since he's been here. Not a one, not one trade. Not a one, not one, not zero, one. Phil. I agree. I Fact. agree. The, the, the off seasons, listen, he came in, Tavares left, and he kind of put a, a beer league team together, if you will, where he signed Phil Blah and Komarov and the Robin Leonard reclamation project. And every single player that he signed that summer ended up contributing in some sort of meaningful way. Even Phil Blah had 17 goals. The next summer, they were faced with a choice once the Panarin signing was off the board and went to the Rangers, they were faced with a choice. The choice was they could either let all these players walk. You could let Everly walk. You could let Nelson walk for nothing. You could get let Lee walk for nothing. 
and sign three other random free agents or just tank and be absolutely terrible having received nothing in return for those three players. And he decided the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. And that was ultimately, to me, I think that was the right move. You gave yourself a couple of opportunities to go chase a cup, and they came that close, and it didn't work out. And now they're in a period where, for the first time since that summer, they're actually going to have money to spend. These past two summers, they didn't have any money to play with. They were busy signing their restricted free agents, and they needed to make room for their restricted free agents, and and that's really what the plan was over here. They have to make room for Pellick, Beauvillier, Sorokin, and I thought he did a great job on Pelican Pulak. I mean, those signings, and again, they haven't, looked, they haven't looked as fantastic when they get separated. I think they're better when they work as a tandem. Um, I mean, anytime you slap a, a guy like Andy Green as your partner at times, I mean, you're you're going to struggle. Um, but uh, I, is it, I just, does it seem like Pulak's lost a step or two? You think well, he's still he broke a foot, so. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just, well, then why is he playing? Then why is he playing? Right, we're only supposed to play it for 100%, i.e. Oliver Wallstrom. Well, Oliver Wallstrom, I just figured out why. You know, Phil mentioned I just think that Barry doesn't realize that once you make that magical 41 games, that every year after that counts. Maybe think <laughs> if I can hold them out under 41 games this year, we have another year of team control. Maybe, but I don't think he realizes that you can't do it after you've started that <laughs> clock. Phil, what do you think about that? I don't think that's the consideration. Facts, I, don't, I don't think I don't think Barry cares about any of that. I don't know what's up with Oliver Wallstrom. Oliver Wallstrom should be playing. He should be playing. If he's healthy, he should definitely play. If he's not healthy, then he shouldn't play because non-healthy players shouldn't play. Pollock, he's working back from a broken foot. He, you're right. He doesn't look like himself. He's also he, has, he also has to carry Sebastian Ajo, who's pretty terrible. And before that, he was carrying Andy Green. Who was playing pretty terrible? I'm going to tell you what. To me, Aho has been carrying Pulak. <sighs> He's so slow. Oh, I'm like, on. hold on, hold on. Aho's ah, ah, fast. There? People tell me Aho's ah, fast. He falls over himself. He gets muscled off of pucks like a child. He does. Have you saw that two on one that went the other way when he got stripped of the puck in the neutral zone yesterday? And then he just fell. No one was near him. I don't know what he's doing. He's just a very sloppy skater. It's- it's because Pulak was still caught up the ice thinking he's doing his Adano Char uh, impression. Just all the way. I'm like, where the hell is Pulak? Aho's going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer, and he's just going to go. Do you notice how Butch likes to say, he'll like, Pulak will be out there screwing up, and he'll say, man, that Dobson, he needs to be better. I'm like, dude, he's not even on the ice. I know a six looks like an eight, but at least get the guy he gets, right. Come he on. gets the six and the eight confused all the time. It's hard to see. I mean, it is kind of hard to see. They're both right-handed. They both have a similar kind of build. Dobson's, what, two inches taller? Uh, the Skates six and better. the eight are the same. I, I I get it when you're when you're Butch's age and maybe the eyesight's failing him. And also Butch is Butch. He gets yeah, – I don't know. I think it was <laughs> – I think it was Wallstrom. No, it was Dobson who scored a goal, and Wallstrom was the net front screening presence on the goal. I can't remember which game it was, but Butch kept saying, and that's a great job by Dobson, and a great job by Dobson also screening the goaltender. And he said it like five times. <laughs> and I'm like, Dobson is not the guy who's shooting and screening. That's Wallstrom in front of the net. Come on, okay. Butch. He's I fast. just want to say one thing. I watched... The Seattle broadcast last night. Oh, well, we're going to go there, huh? Okay. I don't know if they put ads at the penny saver to get, you know, hey, show up. You can be an announcer for a Seattle cracking game. 
the girl, whoever Leah Hextall. Hextall, Leah freaking Hextall. Oh, is that Ron Hextall's wife? No, it's probably his daughter. Oh, probably okay. daughter. Yeah, she did her best. Um, who was the guy? Pepper Brooks from Dodgeball. The color commentary when he'd say, uh, "Oh, they're not here." Yeah, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. And she said on that uh, disputed goal, he says, the guy just went through the whole explanation on how he was outside the crease and the other guy was shoving him in. And he says, so that could get overturned. And then she goes, well, look at that. Do you think him being the white in the, on the regular ice surface is going to have any effect on that? And they like, uh, you know, like that awkward silence. And then it gets overturned. Then they go to the rules and now, you know, their rules expert, um, who was also horrible, Dave Jackson. And I mean, he was, he was brutal. Oh, did anybody do a good job last night? He, no, 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 not at all. It was play it was by play, the color, the color, who, who did the color last Derek night? Derek Moore. Terrible. He hated, he was, he goes on this. Well, well, let me finish the first part. I actually sent these clips to TJ. Of course, he did nothing with them because my input on the podcast is not valued at all. Oh. Everyone knows that. <laughs> so I have to, I, you know, I have to do everything from memory, right? You so sent then, me a four minute long clip. You're have, like, here you no, go, no, have this no, on the show. No, that was the introduction for the Kraken franchise. The Kraken. So, okay. But here's the thing Dave Jackson just explained why he thought that it was going to get overturned. She goes, Well, it got overturned. Dave, what do you think about that? Can you explain it? Well, Leah. Uh, just like I said before, he was outside. So he had to repeat the thing that he just said to her. And in between, she said, would that make a difference? I'm like, holy shit. I well, mean, I learned Linda something Cohen, new last night. Linda yeah, Cohen. Ahead. Well, Linda Cohen was between the glass. Man, she's looking old. <laughs> I'm just going to say she looks old as shit. Comfy people might say the same about you, but I, I know she. I am old as shit. I don't see me on TV. I see. I, I saw people pointing out that they were saying, "Oh yeah, Kyle Clutterbuck's played all of his nine seasons with the cat with the New York the Islanders since being drafted by the Islanders or something like that." So again, they weren't very familiar with the team. It was yeah, it was. I mean, that's so basic. Like I thought, Bucci Gross was terrible doing play by play, but he's not going to get something wrong like Kyle Clutterbuck was drafted by the Islanders. At least he'll know some of his facts. He, most of these people don't follow the team on a regular basis. The only national guy who does is Anson Carter because he does games with Shannon Hogan. We like so, Anson Carter. So he'll he'll know some things about the Islanders just from watching them. But none of these people actually watch the team. I mean, Bucci was talking about the Islanders in that Flyers game as if it's so devastating if they lose to their playoff chances when in reality they had no playoff chances. <laughs> oh, and they just saved their season over here because they're trending <laughs> up in the right draft. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? Has he not watched this team in the past two months? In his defense, he has to push that teams are relevant when you're doing it from the uh, ESPN. from the national. When you're doing Fair. the studio show, that, that, that's the only thing I'm going to say. They all do that. They don't want you tuning out because they know right. they got more useful Islander games coming up, so they got to push that. Uh, yeah. And what was the other thing I was talking about? Who was terrible too? I don't know, Grump. You're going up. on everybody. You, you're talking because about the commentator. The, the videographer was missing the puck on consistent basis. You're giving everybody. everybody That's an ESPN issue, though. ESPN, I find that their their broadcast is awful. They always miss the puck. I don't know why. It's it's worse than the Florida Panthers, where it looks like the video camera is is under the arena. You can't even see the ice surface when the Florida Panthers play. I don't know what the hell that camera angle. Can they not get it from higher in the arena so that you could see the whole damn thing? 
well, they know there's not a whole lot of people sitting in the lower bowl seats. So like, what the hell? We'll just set up the camera here so we get a better view of the That's game. That's what it looks like, right? Yeah. <laughs> Never Derek, see anything. Derek Moore. This is the other thing I remember. Derek Moore. They were talking about Zidane Chara because he played 1,651 games, tied with Chelios, whatever it was, or passed him. I forget. doesn't matter. Tied, tied him. Okay. So they were saying, well, Derek Moore, you played with him in Boston, right? You know Zidane Chara. Yeah, I played with him in Boston. You know, he wasn't really friendly. He was kind of mean. You know, I didn't really like him. Okay, so he's ripping something Char. like he was all about winning or something like that. Yes, it was. It was ridiculous. I'm like, yeah. And then later they say how Noah Dobson has been crediting Zidane Char for his for his growth of a player this year. And then Derek Moore says, "Yeah, you know, he's been really good at that with everywhere he's been, McAvoy and." You know, all these other guys he's played with, I'm like, dude, you just ripped him a new one and how miserable he was as a person. And now all of a sudden, he's great for turning young defensemen into productive players. Okay. Even if you had, like, they said, what do you think about Mike Milbury? I mean, like, when you're asked a question like that, you usually paint a somewhat rosy image of him. It was so bad that I had to record some of it. That's how bad it was. I'm like, holy crap. This is so bad. And I sent it to TJ. Dude, you just got to slap it up there. And they all talk with, like, the Valley Girl, like, the Kraken. Hockey is part of this region forever. I'm like, oh, my God. And this girl's, like, director of marketing. I'm like, how do they give out these jobs once again? Who do you know? Yeah, Maybe if, you're, that, if you're not watching that, the game, if she was doing radio, for example, you would have not a clue where the puck is at any time because it went silent for, like, seven seconds. And Brock Nelson – doesn't describe what he's doing and Brock Nelson and that's a goal. Did someone pass to him? Where you know, was there a puck battle anywhere? Where are they facing? Was it a penalty kill? Was it a power? What what the hell's going on? You have no idea. I know how she got the game. I know how she got that gig. Seattle Kraken's front office played that game that you play, Phil. Marry, kill, bang. That's what it was. <laughs> Guess which one she was. I'm just saying. Oh, good gracious, comfy. Leah Hextall. Hey, they say nepotism isn't dead in sports, but uh, it's alive and well. That's a bigger issue in the NFL than anywhere else. But uh, good to see that's making its rounds all over. And if people want, if people want to hear about that type of stuff, TJ, what do they need to do? They need to listen to the TJ and the Grumpy Old Man Show. We go live tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There you go, Grumpy. That's Ooh, a nice plug. Smooth segue. Oh, yeah, Grumpy. You had to, you had to go ahead and hit me with it, but uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> Lay up for you. Even you, uh, even you got that one. Yeah, yeah, for certain. Um, now, I want to talk about Varlamov and where we think he could be on the move for. Now, again, Varley I, was out with COVID, hasn't, didn't play against Seattle. Um, as being healthy, didn't play against Seattle. Do we think a guy like Simone Varlamov or Simeon Varlamov is a guy who could be moved at this year's trade deadline? Again, a guy who's got uh, you know a year more of team control, a guy who does have – I think he's got a modified no-trade clause, correct? 16 teams. 16 team modified no-trade clause. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what you would get back in return for him, right? I think that the number one goalie on the market at the moment is Marc-Andre Fleury. And uh, just because, again, he's a rental. And you I know to trade to the Capitals. You uh, said Bo Boston apparently. is hot for him, too. Boston's hot on him. I also. believe that. I believe the Leafs are in on it. He's not going to go to the Leafs, though. Uh, but apparently he vetoed a trade. I think it was Elliot Friedman who reported that Washington asked several times. And Flurry, because of his loyalty to the Penguins, 
has committed to never playing to the cap for the Capitals. Wow, what a freaking hero! What a I mean, like what a hero for the. I'm, I'm okay. I'm saying as a Penguins fan, you're like, uh, you know what? I mean, he got. Think about it. He got the bad end of the shoe out of town. What are you? What are you looking like like that for, Grom? Okay. Why would you not want to leave Chicago? You have more chance of getting he's shot get, in Chicago gonna, than making a save, pretty much. Well, I he, could go, he could go to Colorado. He's going to get traded. He just says Colorado's going to need a goaltender. Yeah, a ball, like I said, Boston's hot for him also. Boston's hot Boston. for him also. I don't know why they would be, though. Ulmark's a good backup. Uh, he's not a playoff experience, but he's, he's, a good, he's a good goaltender, though. Ulmark would have to go the other way. Maybe. They I don't know what Olmark's trade protection looks like. That's, I don't. Maybe he doesn't have any. He's on a four-year contract. He was just signed this offseason. Yeah, he's so. got three more years, but I mean that doesn't mean he can't be traded. Yeah. I think Vardley would have plenty of suitors, right? He's he just was was part of two teams that had deep runs. He was a big part of that. He was great against Boston, except for one awful game against Tampa in Game Five. He was very very good against Tampa, holding them to two or fewer goals in five of the games. He's he's good. He's he's a good goaltender. I think you get a lot for him. Uh, again, as it pertains to competing next year, I don't think Sorokin is someone who you want to rely on for 60 plus starts. I think there are very few goaltenders in the league that you ever want to give that amount of starts to. And you have to take into consideration that there's going to have to be someone else who's going to come in and plug 30 games. The other thing you need to consider, aside from the fact that it's a very bare UFA goaltending market, is that because Varlamov only has one year left, if the goal is to ultimately bridge this relationship to a Sorokin Skarik tandem, which is probably what the organization has in mind because Skarik's playing well, one year of Varlamov helps you do that. If you if you're going to give Lou the opportunity, I'm I am scared of giving Lou the opportunity to give Braden Holtby something like three years by three million. Mm. <laughs> well. <laughs> What they should do and what they will do are sure two separate things. I mean, like you've got Thomas Grice, who's got prior. I, I feel oh, confident yeah. with he's dead. With, he's dead. He's totally dead. I thought the same thing before Pierre Greco and Mitchell Korn were there. I think those two goaltending coaches, and again, right? We talk about the pluses and the minuses of having Barry Trotz. That's definitely one of the pluses. I think they can plug whoever they want in there, and they're usually going to have a successful goaltending tandem. Grice was trending down before he left. He had that incident in the Columbus game where they pulled him and Varlamov ended up closing out that game. And from that game on for the rest of the season, he was terrible. He had the two wins against the Flyers in the playoffs. And then he got shelled in game one and they pulled him against Tampa last year in Detroit. He was bad this year in Detroit. He's, he's been even worse. He's 37 years old now or something. He's older than Corey Schneider. Just to, just to give you some context there. I don't want Thomas Grice playing any games here. He's played I, for these. He's played with these goaltending coaches. It's not like he's not familiar with the system. He was just trending down in a pretty bad way for the second half of that season in 2019-2020. Uh, I, I think he's done. Yeah, I just, for me, I, it doesn't have to be Thomas Grice, but I think that you can get any backup goalie in the offseason. There's always a glut of them available. Somebody gives you 25, 30, 35 games. There's there's a glut of them. And if Barry Trotz is back, an average goalie can become very competent here yeah. under that, the, the coaching style and the system that we play. So that doesn't bother me. I just don't want to spend $5 million for backup. I just think that's way too much. I don't, I don't think they're going to, but again, you, you run into a situation where you might think you have Peter Morozik who just got paid big money off of a playoff series win against the Islanders three years ago. 
and he's he's shot. I mean, he's he's completely shot to hell. I don't I don't think it's as simple as you just pick any anyone off the carousel. Leonard was a talented goalie before the Islanders got him. He had a 920 and a 924 in two out of his seasons with Buffalo. His last year, he ran into mental issues, as you know, as, as we know. But he was always a, a goalie who was highly regarded, good pedigree, big size, able to use that frame, and he had good numbers. It's not like just picking up Peter Morozik off of two hip surgeries and praying to God that he returns to some sort of form that he had behind the, the Canes defense. Um, so I'm I'm just skeptical as to how easy it is to do that. But if you're going to get a massive return for Varlamov and then potentially have that return help you next year and in the future, sure. Yep. That's See, that's my point of view. But I think we can all agree that Marc-Andre Fleury is number one goalie on the market and Varlamov yeah. is number two. Yeah. yeah. Do we and, and same thing with, 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 the, uh, with the goalie market next summer. Marc-Andre Andre Fleury is the top UFA goalie. Behind him is Kemper, who, I mean – Buy at your own risk with, with a guy like that who's got such injury history. After that, there's really no one, which is what makes Varlam Varlamov with the extra year to a team like Edmonton more attractive. Maybe Colorado wants him back, considering he's got one more year of term for next year and they've got no one under contract. Who knows? I mean, you even look at Pavel. Uh, what Pavel, who do we play Cashew. against? Was that? On Colorado? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I, I, we Francis. played against him this year. We played against him this year, and he looked good against us, correct? Everybody we didn't play Colorado this year, though. We, we haven't played them yet. Maybe I was watching different Colorado games. Fair enough. Um, or that's I think they're the third third string goalie for Colorado, right? No, Francis is the backup. He just he hadn't played in like two years because he had injuries. Okay. And surgeries Kemper. and stuff like that. Kemper's a starter. Kemper's the starter, right? Gotcha. I couldn't remember how it went with them, but you know, even we yeah, played. Right. We played Fransos. I think it was two years ago. That's right. In a one nothing shutout, Anders Lee broke the tie. I think it was an assist from Dal Cole or something like that. I'm just. I I, I agree with you, Grump. Paying five million for a backup is a little absurd. And um, and and Phil, I want you. I want to kind of understand your take on Sorokin. Now, you make a lot of comments on Twitter oh. about Sorokin, and I want to hear what your take is on Sorokin. I'm in, I'm in the camp of the guy's a top 10 goalie. Um, it, you know, I think he's got all the makings and will be, you know, the, an elite level goalie, you know, and could be a guy who's top five when all is said and done, you know, in the league year in and year out. Right now, I still think he's a solid top 10 goalie for us. And I, I think that the issue's never been goaltending for this team. I don't think the issue's ever been Varlamov. He's letting some weakies. I know Sorokin's letting some weakies, but I think Sorokin's a top 10 net miner in the NHL. I think he has the, I agree, he has the tools to be an elite goaltender. I think he can be a top 10. To me, he's probably somewhere between 11 and 15 this season. Again, we all refer back to the series against Pittsburgh where he was absolutely incredible and use that to arrive at the conclusion that he's all of a sudden an elite goaltender. He's very good. He makes some of the most amazing saves you'll ever see. He had an incredible one last night against Seattle that kept it a 4-2 game. If that goal goes in and all of a sudden it's 4-3, to maybe they push it a little bit harder and they lose that game. But he's his angles are just are just off. I I haven't seen him save a clean two on one shot ever. It's to the point where the defender should probably be taking the shooter and leave Sorokin to play the pass because they just and and shooters you've never even heard of are just beating him clean. He gives up goals from wacky angles like to Giroux and to Josh Anderson and and Sam Gagne behind like literally behind the net or Hornqvist. 
in, in a spot where you don't even think the puck could fit through. It, he's just he, he's very inconsistent. I don't buy the argument that, oh, he's got no goal score, goal scoring support. I think in like 14 of his last 17 games, they've given him three plus goals. He's been getting goal support. They score when he's a net. Sometimes he just screws it up. That wild game, prime example. They dominated that game. No reason why they should have lost. He was terrible that game. Against Buffalo, I thought that that fourth goal he for sure should have had back. And some of the other goals in that game he also should have. I, I mean, he's he's very good. I just don't think he's the dominant, elite, world-beater, Hashik type that Islanders Twitter makes him out to be. So I, I try to... I try to be the counterweight to that, if you will. Um, but I don't think he's bad. I think he's very good. I think Anson Carter brought up a good point real quick, Grump. And he talked about when he gave up that goal, I think it was to Anderson. And again, like how he was cheating a little bit off the post. Again, I, I, I'm i a firm believer of, hey, butterfly-style goalies are going to go down to stop those five-hole and those low shots. So if you put one top shelf that rings in off the you know off the post and the crossbar and in, they're most times going to go in. It doesn't matter how sharp the angle is. But... He mentioned that, you know, when you're doing that, you're not trust your trust of your defenders of doing their job is not there. And I think that could very well be having an effect on him when you've got guys like Chara and guys like Green who play every single night. They're not in the right spots all the time. They're guys that are slow back in transition, et cetera. I could definitely see the trust not being there with the defense and the goaltending tandem. And, you know, does that affect and allow these shots to go in from crazy outstanding angles when they put a fantastic puck in? For certain, it could. I, I still think the guy, like you're looking at save percentage, of he's still top 10 or ninth, tied for ninth in save percentage. And I think to myself, he's ninth in save percentage or tied for ninth in save percentage. And he's got 44 year old Zidane Chara playing every single night. Oh. He's got 39 year old Andy Green playing every single night for the most part. Oh. And, you, and you had a carousel of other individuals, and we had Ryan Pulak who was out. So you're missing, you know, a top pairing defenseman, and you're playing with two guys that. And on, on a good team are both seven pairing defensemen that are playing monster minutes for that team. And again, the guy's top 10 in save percentage. I'm all but happy with his performance, just like I'm all but happy with Sir Varlamov's performance. I The one thing that I, I, I love the comment that Carter made, and, he, you know, he's like, you know, and Butch was like, well, you know, sometimes you got to stand, you know, stand up, and that shot's not going to go in. Okay, every goalie plays the butterfly style. They, you know, they're, they're always on their knees. And I thought the Anderson shot was just perfectly placed. Yes, he was down. Here's the thing: Sorokin is not six foot five or six foot six. He's what six two? I mean, he's down on his knees. He just picked the top corner. And I hundred percent agree. If you're, how many passes come across ice that he makes spectacular saves on with athletic ability? A lot. Because his defensemen just aren't there. I think our defense has really been down this year. Oh, TJ's going to put something. Yeah, I mean, well, that's 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 the picture right there. And again, like you got to respect the five hole shot as the butterfly goalie is. And this is Dobson right here, who's late to the party. <laughs> so yeah, I don't I mean, know where Dobson was on that play. I I don't know where Bailey was. It was it was a miscommunication between a lot of like three different players. It was Pellet Bailey and Dobson, and no one was there. Probably should have been Dobson, but listen, well, Bailey, I think Bailey I have I have I have very high hopes for him. I do. Do I trust him enough? Where I want any stray backup goaltender coming in next year who's an unknown quantity. I don't know. I, I'd, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a little bit nervous about that. You know seen, what you're – go ahead. I'm sorry. We've seen Varlamov give up goals just like that as well. It's just sure. a style of play. I mean, the, unfortunately, that is 
That's the weak spot for butterfly goaltending. Yes, they're going to take away the lower part of the net. Most shots are the lower part of the part of the net. How many guys are able to pick corners? I mean, not a whole lot. It's really tough. And you see, I mean, Anderson just walked in on that. Yeah, they gave. I mean, they gave Anderson a ton of space. Listen, I I don't. People think I hate the goaltender. I don't hate. Why do you hate the goaltender? I thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna be Shesterkin. I that's that's honestly what I was hoping he would have been. And he he just hasn't you, been anywhere near that level. Do you think Shesterkin would have the same production on this team with Zdeno Chara, Andy Green, and Ryan Pulak out for two months? You think yes. he'd have the Rangers give up like the fourth to most high danger chances in the entire league? They're not. Sorokin is fifth. They, they get outshot high danger on a consistent save basis. Right? He's fifth in high danger save percentage. Sorokin is Shesterkin's first by a mile. Okay, Shesterkin is analytically the the best goaltender in the NHL. He gets great. pelted. He gets pelted way more than both Varlamov and Sorokin on a nightly basis. If not for the fact that they have Shesterkin, the Rangers would probably not even be in a playoff position. That's how much he's carrying him to the point where he should probably be the front runner for the Hart Trophy. I think they played twenty games without him, and in those games, they're they're literally five hundred. He has like five regulation losses, Shesterkin this year. The guy's insane. He's got like a 940 save percentage. He he's is hot. He's hot. There's no and doubt he's, about it. And he's facing way tougher assignments than Ilya Sorokin is, given what his defense is giving up in front of him. Watch the games. Watch the games. Look at the analytics. Look at the shot count. Shesterkin is facing a much more difficult task night in, night out than Sorokin. I think the trust thing is a big part. With Sorokin, I really do. And, and again, when I think, I, I think Nemeth and Tenorti and Lundqvist are are just giving him so much confidence. And Truba, who's been a mess in the defensive zone, yes, he's got good numbers, but defensively, Truba's awful. Yeah, okay, but here's the thing: Sorokin was not really good last year. He had a down. He was really good his first year. Then he had the injury thing or whatever it was. He missed the ten games towards the end. But last year he wasn't great. Two point six two goals against two uh, nine fourteen save percentage. A lot of times, young goalies, they're up and down from year to year. That's why I'm kind of, okay, has he been great? Have they handled him right? I don't know. But I'm not ready to write Sorokin off like Phil is, obviously. He's, he's saying, hey, let's keep Don Beaupre in goal and get rid of Sorokin. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't think he's going to be the next Dominic Kasich. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be the next Dominic Kasich guy. I don't think he will There's be. I, th- I think Shesterkin might be, though. Shesterkin is better than Lundqvist. So far, is, is better than Lundqvist ever was for the Rangers. Lundqvist never oh, put up these numbers. wow. It's wow. true. Wow. This is this is a top five. He's having a top five season ever. Yes. Ever. Yeah, he's been great this year. Last year he wasn't so good. Sure. Okay. Not so good last year. Sure. We're also yeah. we're also talking about what we're like about fifty some odd games through the way through the season. I mean, Jack Campbell was having a fantastic year and he kind of Jack fell off Campbell. the rails. I'm just saying you could fall Everyone. off the rails at any time. You could. And I hope Justin does. I hope he I hope he fails miserably. <laughs> I hope he puts up eight hundreds down the stretch. <laughs> And that the Rangers fall apart and lose 20 out of the next 30 games, allowing the Islanders to get into the playoffs. I hope that's what happens. But right now, he is the best goaltender this year in the league, and no one is close. I remember remember Tony Esposito had 15 shutouts his rookie year for Chicago. Next year, not so good. Goaltenders up and down from year to year. It happens. They're a different breed. They just are. Yeah, I mean, listen, everyone thought Samsonov and Washington, you know, it was Samsonov, Shesterkin, and Sorokin. They said, these are the three Russians. Who knows who's going to be the best of them? They're all fantastic. And Samsonov pretty much sucks. I mean, yeah. he's, he's just, he's bad. 
And maybe got- it's a Washington system thing. Maybe if they would have kept Mitch Corn and Barry Trotz there, Samsonov would be great. Probably, to be honest. Yeah, but everybody else would have left the organization. Well, they probably would have won two more cups. No, they wouldn't. Oh, here's the thing: two, three, two, at least two, maybe three. Ownership maybe three. didn't want them. <laughs> get out! More cups. Get out! They said, he's, "Get out!" He's pushing buttons. I don't care. You got a cup. <laughs> get out. <laughs> well, no, they haven't. They haven't won a playoff series since. And- Sonoff hasn't played well. Do you think maybe they, if in a trade, right? We don't have another need for a young goalie, but mm. right. No, it, Samsonov is expensive. Me. I don't want to get Samsonov. No, he's he's expensive. I mean, he's coming off a not great season. I mean, I... you know what? No, they're not. They're not trading. They're not giving up on Samsonov yet, and and they shouldn't because he he might be good. I think Holt be right if you're thinking about a guy who you maybe need a, a few year stopgap for. That's the guy there that I assume is you know the hot guy this offseason if you need him for a few years. Phil, he's not really sure. that good either. I Phil, mean, I, Phil, I don't know if you knew this or not, but his last year in Washington, you know, uh, they gave Barry Trotz. Uh, he had like a corporate hotel that he was staying at or a corporate apartment, and he got down after they won the Stanley Cup. He goes, "It's you have been evicted." I mean, it was no shot. They didn't want him back. See you later, alligator. And how has that worked out for them? Just as good as it's worked out for us. We ain't won shit, neither team. Nothing. Nothing. Matter of fact, they've won more than us. I do believe they won a division title. Did they not one year? I think they did. I think that okay, first how many division division title title won, they Phil? lost. They lost to the they they blew a two-nothing lead in game seven versus the Canes. How many how many division titles have we won under Barry Trotz? Who needs division titles don't matter, Grump. All that matters. All right, okay. We've won. We've. What I'm just saying is, they don't hang up a banner for Eastern Conference and finalist either. I do. I have it in my bedroom. I have two <laughs> of them. Sad. Two of them, as a That's matter of fact. Sad. That's just sad. And you <laughs> I had them custom made. You need an intervention. Seriously. I had them custom made at the same guy who's putting the one together. Hopefully for the, uh, you know, these Maple Leaf fans, they just want a series win, and once they do that, they could plan the parade down Bay Street that they got to the second round. So they've got these banners, and I just said, just slap an Isles logo on it. The one that covered the maple leaf up, the one that says we made the ECF, and give me two of those. One for 1920, one for 2021. I have them hanging over my bed. My wife doesn't like it that much, but but they're there. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not even going to touch that. There's so many things I could say right now. But I'm not going to. But I, don't I do want to say, TJ, it, that was just too easy. Honestly, Phil, that was just too easy for me. But I'm going to respect your wife right now, just to let you know. You, not so much. But I'm absolutely going to respect our TJ. What time is it? It's time to read the ad, grumpy old man. I just thought that was a perfect time to bring up the ad. Oh, oh great segue. Nice. And in this today's podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Hoop fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. Um, new customers can get just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN and bet just $1 on any NBA team and get 150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum of $5 deposit. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline, which is 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369-GRUMPY. Woo! We, we have a bit of breaking news. Just, just, just a bit of breaking news. Andy Strickland, who is a um, he's an NHL insider and he's really good. He is reporting that the Preds are actively shopping Philip Forsberg. So that means that he must not be planning on signing back in Nashville. That is correct. Which all of a sudden becomes very interesting, right? You think about how how many suitors, how many worthwhile suitors are there in the offseason for a guy like Phil Forsberg if he is not intending on returning to Nashville. And this is smart by Nashville. I mean, this, this is right up Grumpy's alley. Nashville, they're good enough to make the playoffs. They're probably even good enough to win a round, but they're not good enough to get by Calgary, Colorado, and Vegas. They're probably Ooh. the, they're not even, I mean, they could probably get past the Minnesota Wild, but they're maybe the fifth or sixth best team there. And Phil Forsberg is going to bring back two first rounders and, and all kinds of trimmings. But that means that, Forsberg does not want to return to Nashville and yep. they hit a standstill. What teams have the money and make sense aside from the Islanders? The only other one that comes to mind for me really is the LA Kings. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he could legitimately be in play. I just no? don't think he'll come here. I just don't where, think where else, where else? Someone else. The Rangers don't have the money. The Leafs don't have the money. The Flames don't have the money. I'm not that he's going to go to Canada. The Florida teams don't have the money. Do the Panthers not have money? They just just signed Barkov long-term. Detroit Red Wings have the money. Oh. He's going to go to Detroit. Do you want to compete for a cup? I could say in Detroit, you've got a much higher likelihood of competing for the cup than you do with the Islanders. Oh man, TJ's all on the he's all on the Red Wing bandwagon. The Red Wing, I'm telling you, Why? man. They don't they don't have an elite goaltender like Ilya Sorokin. The Delkovich, baby. Uh, I always I jumped the gun on the Delkovich, but I think he hey, you know you jumped that, the that, gun on Jack Campbell. You jumped the gun on everyone, TJ. He loved that Jack ah, Campbell piece there of it is, there. He <laughs> loves Jack Campbell. Uh, Jack Campbell blows. Come on. Oh. Here's the thing. You know, when TJ was a kid, I bet he had like one of those little uh, red. Uh, Jack Campbell bobblehead. No, no. One of those little, uh, you know, red wagons, you know, put a little wing on the side. He's all in on the Red Wings and Stevie Y. He's all in on them. TJ, when are they going to be competing for the cup? How many years? Say two. I said two years until they're a serious competitor. Next year they're making the playoffs, no doubt in my mind. I don't care how tough that I don't care how tough that division is. That's the team you watch out for. I'm gonna tell you what you gotta love about TJ. Man, when he goes out on a limb, he's all the way out on it. He's not, you know, I, I, know, I, I know the Red Wings. Listen, I think I, I think it's a good trading for I knew the Red Wings were trading for Nicoletti. I know the Red Wings. I, I own one of their teams in fantasy grump. I know everything, the ins and outs, the prospect pool. I know about the Red Wings. Ah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When TJ goes on, it's not like he's got one hand on the trunk either. 
He's all the way out, like on the last limb, trying to get that first little bud that comes up in the spring. He's way out. He's all the way out there. I, I love. I, it. I could I see. It. Listen, I could see why you would be, you, you'd be saying that because you look at their closest com comparable is probably the Kings, right? The Kings are pretty well into rebuild. The difference is the Kings are getting a ton of help from their holdover guys, right? They're getting a monster season from Kopitar, a monster season from Dowdy. They're getting a pretty decent season from Dustin Brown. They had very good veteran players, and Jonathan Quick has returned somewhat to form. The Red Wings, they've got the young guys and not much else. I know Verona's coming back, and Verona's a, a big piece there, and he's, he should be a big piece going forward coming off of injury. But I, I just don't think – I mean, who else is coming? Who else is coming besides for – you know, Cedar's going to get better. Raymond's going to get better. But who, who else is coming? The, you're talking ahead? about young guys. I know that Albert Johansson is killing it in the Swedish Elite League, has been the last two years. Willie Ander is pretty good. Niederback's pretty good. They've got a lot yeah, of good yeah. prospects. They've got a lot of young – I mean, you talk about a team that went almost all European. They're a team that went pretty much all European. And, again, like the biggest it, issue for them is maybe goaltender, but that's how they draft Kosas. But, okay. again, you're talking draft picks. Here's the thing about Detroit. The pieces that are hard to get are the young pieces that they have. The veteran types, the glue guys, they're easy to find. There's a million of them out there. A million. Let me ask you this too. Zadina. Sure, sure. The, the, yes, yes. The veteran glue guys, the Comroffs, yes. But what I'm saying is with the Kings, these aren't just glue guys. I mean, Kopitar is still a high-end player. Dowdy is a high-end player. These, these are the guys who are doing most of the heavy lifting for the Kings this year. And they're the only four guys who were over the age of 30 on the whole roster. Arvidsson is how old? 29? Yeah. Arvidsson's playing great. He's been a great that, pickup. Yeah, that was great a really good – and they gave up nothing to get him. A nothing. second and a third. Second yeah, and I mean, third yeah. We couldn't have done that. We couldn't have done that. Not we possible. Should, we should have done that. that. We should have done you that. that I mean? that's, why, that's why when you say, oh, we do this in the offseason, lose big off – okay, you had opportunities the last number of years. You've done nothing. Nothing. Well, I mean, listen, the, the choice Nothing. the choice Nothing that they felt. made the choice that they made in the offseason was that they want they wanted Kyle Palmieri to be that right wing. Because they didn't want it to be Jordan Everly. And if you have the choice of signing Kyle Palmieri, who had a very good playoffs for you, versus trading a second and a third after already having to cap dump Lad with assets, and now you're digging into, you know, years later for Arvidsson, well, they wanted to take Palmieri for free as opposed to trading a couple picks for Arvidsson, who's the unknown quantity, if you will also coming off of a career-poor year. He only had 10 goals last year. So they went with Palmieri. I think they've they've handled Palmieri, as, and, and he struggled, and he was hurt. But I think they they did a tremendous disservice to him and to the entire team by moving Bailey to the top line after game four. I know you guys were all over that. The guy's been playing terrible. Barry called them out after the Blackhawks game, which was a game they won, that I have to break up the second line because their analytics are shit. Why the hell is he going to the first line then if his analytics are shit? And he shouldn't have. Really, he should go to the fourth line for Matt Martin, and Matt Martin should be sitting in the press box, and Bailey should be playing nine minutes a night. That's really at the point of his career where he is. I wouldn't sit him at this point, though. If you're planning on moving him in the summer and moving him painlessly, you can't just sit Bailey. Who's going to take him then? Maybe we get Tony Soprano out there. <laughs> just, you know, I don't know find himself in a dump in Jersey somewhere. I mean, what the heck? That's where we picked up uh, Kyle Palmieri and Andy Green anyway. I, I think Palmieri is much better still than the season he's having. I don't think he's the four goal and four game guy. I don't think he's the one goal and 29 game guy. 
somewhere very in between. I still think he's got 20 to 25 goals in him in a regular season playing in a position where he could succeed and they don't use him properly on the power play, which is where he gets got tons of production from. Well, well, let me ask you, what do you think? What minus he's an F minus his nickname is F minus for a reason, Phil. What do, you, what do you think you'd have to give up for a guy like Forsberg? When I look at Detroit, I think... You cannot trade for him. You can't no, trade. You, no, the Islanders can't trade for him. Someone's oh. going to trade for him. Maybe for Colorado. And then, okay. Someone's going to trade two first-round picks. For, I mean, the, the closest comparable I could think of is is it's really Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne. Right? Mark Stone went for a recent 16 overall pick who they were very high on, a second-rounder, a roster player. And then Duchesne went for two first-round picks in a season where Duchesne was having a crazy year. So if you look at those as the two most recent comparables of big, juicy asset moved at the trade deadline, it's going to be your your best prospect and a high pick or two first-round picks. That, that's what I think it's going to be. And it's he's not necessarily going to be moved to a team that's going to be able to resign him, right? If you end up moving him, let's say the Toronto Maple Leafs decide to push all their chips to the middle and say, we're going to give you a first and our three best prospects, and you're going to retain half his salary and we're going to trade for him, which they can do now because Muzzin's on LTIR. And may, maybe they do that. They can't re-sign him. So now the question becomes, who are the potential suitors for Forsberg? You know the Islanders are going to be in on him. What's he worth? Do What's you want to pay him? That's the question now. Do you see Anaheim going after a guy? Like I'm thinking about teams with cap space, right? Ricard Raquel, he's, his contract expires at the end of this offseason. They could, but I mean, think they've got a decision to make on Raquel. Apparently, they're trying to get Hampus Lind- Lindholm to re-up, and he's he's going to be expensive as a top-pair 23-minute defenseman. I, I don't know what their cap space situation looks like if they re-sign Raquel and Lindholm and then hope to have some room for, for Zegris, who's going to be up in a year or two years from now. So they, I mean, they have to budget their dollars carefully. But you're talking about a guy who on the open market is $9 million easy, maybe even 10. Yeah, I agree. He's he, Here's the thing. You should, if the Islanders have the ability to get a guy like that, you talk about being doing a bold move, bringing in a big name guy. If you're able to sign him in the offseason, that's. Grumpy doesn't like it. They're not. Yeah. Just Grumpy not doesn't coming. like it. I, he's I just think not there's coming. a lot more he's teams that coming. have the ability okay. to get a guy okay. like him than let's, just us. Let's say you bring I can't him. think of many. I honestly can't. If you look at all the contenders, Boston doesn't have the space to do it. The Rangers don't have the space to do it. You go, you go through all the playoff teams this well, year. But Bergeron, they say this could be Bergeron's last year. So, so they're going to replace a, a, their best center well, with, a, just, with a nine million dollar winger. I'm, they don't I'm, need a winger. Saying, I'm just saying that you said they don't have money. They're going to have money. I feel they will have money. I think you're going to see. I don't think Boston's that good. I'm not saying he's going to Boston, but they there are ways to. The smart teams are able to find salary cap money. We're just not able to do it, but most of the smart teams are. Um, you know, you gotta I, find ten million dollars. That's that doesn't just show up under the under the yeah. But, but here's the thing: not every team is able to pay ten million. And I I just I just can't see where we're a destination for anyone. I just I just can't. I, now let me ask you that, Grumpy. Is that oh, serious because, question? Is that because? You are so stuck in the idea of this is the Islanders of the old. They've never signed a big name free agent, so we could never be, a, you know, a, a destination for any free agent. Is that just because of past? You're looking at the past results, and you know, thinking that's indicative of the future. Uh, kind of a combination, but also, you, we still have the glut of guys who are top six players to sign to long term deals that we have to move some of those out. So let's go through them. 
Let's Josh Bailey and Kyle Palmieri are both going to be moved. We read it earlier on this podcast, Grump. They are no, humans. I don't think Kyle Palmieri is going to be moved, but if 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 Lou wants to make that kind of bold decision, and if he, in speaking with Forsberg's camp, and listen, Forsberg is going to have his opinion on the Islanders more because he was with Trotz, I think, for two years in Nashville, more so than the destination. He either loved him or he hated him. I don't know if there's necessarily an in-between there, but he probably has a good idea as to what it's like to play, play for Trotz and if he wants to. But if they get the indication from the Forsberg camp that, you know, seven, year, seven years, 70 million, we're going to lock this thing up, that's when you see Bailey get moved. I just, okay, I just, I'm still, I just think there's so much junk on our roster signed to long-term deals. Let's go through it. Who? You got Bailey? Lee. Okay, two. Nelson. Nelson's not junk. Oh, come on. Junk. I'd oh, say you have an easier junk. argument to say that junk next year and going forward will be Jean-Gabriel Pajot than Brock Nelson. Okay, okay. All right. now, let's I don't start. think either of them are junk. But I, I, think, I, I, I think you're going to start to see. We talk about the decline of older players at a quick level. I think Jean-Gabriel Pajot is They're tough, all in their 30s. Body. Not getting better in your 30s. I, I don't think Pajot's junk. I think he's played better of late. I think he had a very, very sloppy, slow start like most of the team. I think he could rebound from this next year. I don't think he's a 50-point player. Never was a 50-point player. 40 points, plays a good two-way game, the kind of guy that you need to have in the playoffs if you want to go deep. That's that's what I think Pajo is, and that's what I think he could ultimately be next year. Nelson's not junk. He's a, he's a $6 million 2C who's money in the bank for 25 goals every year. I mean – you're not uh, if 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 Raddy if Raddy if Rado oh, no, no, gave you that kind no. of production every year. No, no, no. <laughs> I hit no, a nerve. No, no, no. uh, Brock Nelson is good, Grumpy. Brock Nelson's not he is a good player. We can't play Montreal and Arizona every night. And Seattle. What? And what Seattle, the only teams he Carolina, scored. Minnesota, Calgary, Las okay. Vegas. He scored he scored 10 goals against the weak ass teams in the league out of his 18. In Five games. He was goals. the only guy who showed up on opening night against Jacob Markstrom, who's probably the, the best goalie in the West this year, and was, was keeping us in that game against Calgary. He's soft. He must have been in, I don't know what category he ranks, had him in. Weak teams. He ranks fourth in goal scoring for the playoffs in the Barry Trotz era. Well, he don't need to worry about that. We're not going back to the playoffs anytime soon. So we don't even need to worry about that stat. Exactly. When we have Forsberg and Barzell together, we don't need any roads where we're going, Grump. So where, where are you going to put Anders Even roads, Grumpy. Where are you going to put Anders Lee? Your, your $7 million a year left wing. I mean, all right, so, so, so visualize it like this. You've moved Bailey to Arizona, and Arizona's going to want a guy like Bailey, right? Comes at a 30% discount. They need a they need to fill 32 million in cap space to hit the cap floor. This guy's only owed three and a half million on five. They just saved a million and a half bucks. That's great. They'll probably take him for free, as a matter of fact. I don't think we'll need to send a second round pick. He's an asset to a team like Arizona. And then the next year, they could probably trade him for like a fourth round pick or something like that at the deadline. So, so your top line is now Forsberg. Just don't say back to us. Just don't say back to the back island. to us for the playoff run because there is no Bailey like a playoff Bailey. But <laughs> You've got Forsberg, Barzell, and who do you want on that right wing? I want Wallstrom. All right, so you got Forsberg, Barzell, Wallstrom. He's he plays his off wing, by the way, kind of like Panarin, where he you know for that one timer. So Forsberg plays. I mean, he plays the left wing, even though he's a righty. Your second line, 
is, I guess, Lee and Nelson probably doesn't work very well. I want Bellows on that second line. To me, okay, to me, the problem with Bellows, and I don't hate him, and I don't think he sucks. Like you guys have said many times, he's not a bottom six player because he's not a great four checker. He's not a great back checker. He's not a penalty killer. So you want to put him in the top six because he's got some decent skill. To me, he doesn't have enough skill to be a top six player on a playoff contender. He just doesn't. He's He's got enough skill that if you put him on Arizona and put him in their top six, he'll probably score 18 goals and get 20 assists. Sure. But on a contender, do you see a guy like that who's who's just very slow and, and doesn't do anything really special per se? Beauvillier is having a terrible year, but he four checks like an animal. He's a, he's a, always been a good two-way player. He's always showed up in the playoffs. We know that. Penalty kill. I mean, to me, he just doesn't he doesn't have as many tools as a guy like Bo, who's not a high-end top six player, but does enough where you can justify having him in that spot. Bellows is 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 pretty much one-dimensional to me. Yeah, he's a goal scorer. That's right. But here's he the three thing. goals in 23 games. What do you mean he's a goal scorer? Well, he is, he well, yeah, but what do you get? What do you get? Eight minutes a night? I mean, come on. He played 14 and a half minutes last night. Everyone was scoring goals last night aside from Bellows. It's not like he hasn't been. I mean, he's, he's been, been playing been on the second line the past three nights. He's been Bellos, throwing the body. Bellows' stats on the left wing, 20 games played, three goals, eight assists, plus five. And that's a goal Away. scorer? The guy is you're talking about a guy what so he's gonna scratch and claw for 19 goals we don't we don't have a spot for a guy like Kiefer Bellos because we have Andrews Lee who fills that void you could get a guy like Kiefer Bellos on much cheaper and a guy who's got more upside going forward than Andrews Lee I did want to bring up one point though you said that the Arizona Coyotes were going to look for Josh Bailey because it was going to be cheaper for him. Are you trying to tell me that the Arizona Coyotes playing in front of a packed 5,000 a night might be in financial strife, Phil? I mean, they are. I, I was hoping we could opine a little bit about how, how much of a joke it is that they're <laughs> 5,000 fans. <laughs> how does a team that's run by the league have financial difficulties? Doesn't that – it's like, would you want them managing your taxes? I probably would not. I mean, weren't they late on a on a property tax bill or something yes. like that? Yes, Amazing. they were threatened with eviction if they didn't pay. They were two months behind. I'm like, dude, I mean, <laughs> come on, Batman, <laughs> write a check. Oh, you own that team. Okay, so your second line, your second line in this scenario, you go Bovillier, and hopefully he rebounds to what he was and what he should be with with Nelson and on the right wing. I guess you go with with. Go ahead, say Bellows. Just say it. Bellows, fine. Thank you. Fine. I Bell fine. I'll give it to you. Bellows, Nelson, Beauvillier. You try it out. Fine. And if it doesn't work, then you make a deal at the deadline next year and, and you figure it out. Third line, Lee Pajo Palmieri. I think it could work. That's the most expensive third line in all of hockey. You know, we've talked about the best third line in all sure, hockey. Sure, but, but, but they have the money to do it. The players are here. You're not moving these players. These players can't be moved. Oh. Maybe the next year you can move them. You just can't move them. They're mm. here. You, you just have to accept the fact that no one is taking Anders Lee and they're not moving Anders Lee and no one is taking Kyle right. Palmieri and they're not moving Kyle Palmieri. These players are simply going to be here. We have to, we have to live within reality here. I, well, here's the thing. I, you know, I've been watching some old Olympic stuff in the last couple of weeks. I think we could glue Lee, Palmieri and Lee and put them on long-term injury for a couple of years. Let them ride the bus like they did with how, Andrew Ladd. How, how many, how many times in a row are you going to have to do that grumpy? How is that going to, uh, I, I, they never I, recover from that broken kneecap. 
get that kid out of college, out of uh, jail, wherever he is, Sean Eckhart. Listen, we we need Andrew Ladd to play next year so we get our third round pick back. We just need him to play one game. That's all we need. He will. He'll play. He'll play. No, I know. I know. The only way they don't is if Arizona decides to buy him out. But I don't think they're going to spend $4 million to no. buy a third round draft pick. They can't even pay their taxes. <laughs> they can't even pay their taxes. I would be very surprised if they did that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess you go with, you know, you leave Pajot, Palmieri. And then once you get Forsberg back, maybe you entice Parisi to come back and play fourth line with Sezikis and right wing. I don't know. Throw Holmstrom there for all I care. Well, Holmstrom. Holmstrom. The elite. Put Holmstrom's picture up. Where's Holmstrom's picture, TJ? Okay. We do need to see towards the talent of this year, Simon Holmstrom at the NHL level to see what he's got. All right, he's still young, but I want to start seeing what these younger players have and legitimate chances. I don't want to see a guy like Otto Koivula get nine minutes or eight minutes a night. I want to see guys like Simon Holmstrom, your Otto Koivula's, your Grant Hutton with major minutes to see what they can do when kind of thrown to the to tough waters. We need to see what we have going forward, who could be a part of the solution, who is definitely not. I'm definitely interested in seeing Josh Bailey 2.0 uh, play when the season is totally done. Can you put his picture up, DJ? I'm pulling up the Banjo Boy from because we. What, what takes so long? It. Why is it not up there? Because I recently searched it and it. it I'll get it. <laughs> the third time I brought up this podcast, man, you should be ready for that. Oh man, what can you know, I? Say? Phil's going to be on there. He's a, he's like a girl having a school. He, I uh, believe me, I know which one he picked for Simon Holmstrom. That much I can tell you. What? It, in the marry uh, there's Simon Holmstrom. <laughs> There he is. <laughs> the banjo boy from Deliverance. And put his put his Islander picture up. You got that too? Oh, Jesus. Look, give me a second. Put him up side by side because I'm going to tell you what. We have to do this every single time we have a guest on. Well, see, like, oh, Phil. look at this. Phil's been gushing over him. I want him to see what you're really looking at. Okay. Give him a little perspective. That's all I'm saying. Okay, Grumpy. I'll pull that up, Grumpy old man. Don't you worry about you just it. Just leave that one up for now. I like that picture. Oh, there it is. There we go. And we same can go thing. flip back. He's a guy. teenager. He's a child. Same guy. Same one. He's just saying because he's a blonde-haired kid with a flat, or I don't even know how to describe his face. I don't even know, Grumpy. Maybe a little bit. He's Banjo Boy. That's what he is. Fair enough. Go ahead. Next topic. As long as Banjo Boy scores, that's all I care about. <laughs> do, we, do, we, do we care about any of the comments today? Um, well, I well, there's another there's another item I want to talk about. I do care about the comments, Grump. We do. I care yeah. about the people. I know you don't, but I do. Oh, God gracious. I do care about the people. I'm here for the people. Gosh. It's good conversation, right? I don't want to interrupt good conversation. I want to talk about. Phil's here. Yeah, I know. Phil's here. But I want to talk. I want to talk about. He didn't get it. It was so easy. Ah, I want to talk, Grumpy, about Barry Trotz, the system, and do we think that this team, do we can we reasonably put that this team will be able to have a bounce back into you know playoff success or playoff you know playoff runs like we've had in the past i mean how much of serious movement do we need to see in order to have this team be a playoff competitor we, could we realistically just say phil that hey all we got to do is just we've got to replace char and green and then you know we'll sign back parise after we trade him away if he wants to sign back to another one-year extension and we just like cal clutterbuck but maybe we move a guy like bailey off and that's all that needs to be done and we're ready to be competitors again well not all you, that you need you need to be able to deliver a, an impact forward like so let's assume we get a guy like forsberg best case scenario we sign that's, that's best case that's the best case and then bailey's gone does that make us a playoff contender or we're going to be in the Stanley or a Stanley Cup contender? 
it depends. I would say it depends on who's your second left defenseman. My assumption now is that your D is Pellet Pollock up top. I think we're all fine with that. You're no, I don't, I'm just saying, and let's assume we sign back a Mark, a Mark Giordano. Let's assume we go after a Mark Giordano. Oh, as another a guy in his freaking 40s. What fits Lou's Lamarillo's MO? What I, 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 Giordano is still very good. A Giordano, he's, he's, he's 37. He's 37, but he's he's a very good 37. But what what fits his MO? That's all I'm saying. It fits his MO. So I'm like, what real like Giordano's not signing see. here. I don't think he's coming here. Okay. I'm, I'm just. No I'm, one comes I'm, here. No one comes yeah, here. Giordano's not coming here. He's he's gonna get. He's. Gonna, I mean, he's he's kind of. He could get a Ryan Suter contract probably. Four wow. four years, four million. Wow. He, he's that good. He's just a very good player. I wouldn't be surprised if someone gave him term like that. I wouldn't want to be the team that does it. He'll probably be good next year because he's really good this year. Curious to see what the Kraken get for him if they end up moving their captain. Um, but if you have Pellet Pollock, assuming you could elevate Dobson to the second pair and give him a competent option next to him. Now, who's that going to be, right? We talked about trading Mayfield. Are you trading Mayfield and then using a first-round pick you get for him to trade for a left-handed defenseman somewhere? You know, we, we, it doesn't need to be Chikrin, but it just needs to be someone who's good, who could skate, um, push the pace, defend well. <laughs> I mean, not, not, not get caught. That's, that's not Chikrin. Chikrin. Chikrin has always been a good defensive defenseman. He has been. His defensive impacts have always been very, very good. Okay. And he also has a hell of a shot. I don't need you to break out your slide rule. I just know when I watch him on the <laughs> ice. That's all I say. He doesn't play you any get defense. You get, you get Dobson with a good two pair, and then you go with a third pair, assuming Mayfield's still here, of Mayfield Salo. Right? So you're really trying to solve – your because Salo at 24, I think he'll be on the team. I'd, I'd have a hard time believing they're just going to keep him down there at that age. I think you got Mayfield Salo as your bottom pair. You need to solve for a good partner with Dobson, 100%. and you need to get an impact forward. I think with moving Bailey, getting an impact forward, and getting a very good partner for Dobson, that's a playoff team. Can they compete for a cup? Well, this team, anytime they get into the playoffs, they are a danger to compete for a cup because of their goaltending and because of their system. So, yes, I believe that if this team makes the right moves to be able to get back into the playoffs, then there is no better coach to have to get them to the cup than Barry Trotz. Well, he's, I, I don't, the thing is, I know that the recent success has branded Barry Trotz as a good playoff, playoff caliber coach. He just historically before the Islanders, it's not been the case. And I know they won the one cup in Washington, but you look at his playoff misfortunes in Nashville for many, many years. And even before that last year in Washington, he was a f abject failure and playoff abject hockey. failure because he kept having to go against Crosby. You could call him an abject failure here, but he lost twice to the best team in the cap era. That's would just you, a fact. Would you say that he's he been didn't have the horses? Would you say that last year he was fortunate when we played Tristan Jari, who had one of the worst playoff series as goalie in recent memory, and then he played a guy who who was on a career-ending hip injury that he tried to come back from after surgery? I mean, like in Tuka Rask, would you say that we were fortunate those last two the last two playoff series last year? I would. Yeah, Phil. Yeah, Phil. Yeah, Phil. Oh, I, I, think, I think that we were we were just as fortunate as Washington to get Tuka Rask, and for some reason, I don't know, maybe – Maybe Washington was just awful. I didn't think they were awful last year, but they got dismantled by Boston in five. Everyone <laughs> likes to bring that one up, right? Okay, so the Jari thing, right? Oh, well, don't give them any credit because Jari suck. Yeah, Jari suck, but they have to cash in on their opportunities ultimately. 
and they scored a ton of goals in that series. Fine. So move that one aside. Oh, well, they got Tuka Rask and Tuka Rask sucks. Okay. Then explain how Boston absolutely picked Washington apart in the first round. The turning that part. was not a dud team. Yes, Brandon Carlo went down. Yeah, absolutely. That was the end of Boston. That was the end of Boston. When he got hurt, that was it for them. That was the turning point of the series. Even more than Rask. It was Carlo. They're the only team that actually put up a real fight against Tampa. Carolina lost in five. Lost in five. Florida took him to six. And, and they were leaking every game. Tampa was killing them. Outside of one game, right? Five of those games they held Tampa to two or fewer goals. It was a close series. You could you could dismiss it as they were toying with us or whatever. But the bottom line is, and in the Stanley Cup, they just thoroughly dispatched of Montreal. We scored. We beat Boston. We beat Boston in six, who dismantled the Capitals, and we took Tampa as far as you can possibly go when no other team even came close against them. I we were never going to beat Tampa. We scored eleven goals in seven games. Eleven and seven. That's not enough to win any seven-game playoff series. Just not good enough. Then I, you're right. I think they just, well, score a goal on the Islanders, game's over. They ain't coming back. Except I mean, for game six where they went up 2 nothing, and then the Islanders came back. Yeah, and, and then they said, oh, series is over. Game six is a home one for us. I mean, After, after winning 8 nothing, they go up there, they get a 2 nothing lead. Oh, this one's over. They took their foot off the gas, and they got beat. And then Josh Bailey did his best Josh Bailey impersonation. <laughs> Not marking the guy, coming down shorthanded. Bang, goal. That's it. All over but the shouting. They just played dump. They just played at, get to the red line, uh, dump it in for the rest of the game. Sure, right. but to, to say that there's some other head coach that would have taken them farther than Barry Trotz, I don't believe it. The Jack I, Adams I, Award winner, Brindamore, lost to them in five. I don't I, think Carolina was ready the to win. Now, Here's the thing. If we play Carolina, we're getting swept. Sweat, sweat. Well, Matter of fact, you don't even need a broom. Just, just blow on them out the door. <laughs> don't even need a broom. L- let me let me ask it to you like this too. Um, we talk about players who are you know past their prime and take steps backward. The biggest issue for this team has always been offensive production. Never been goaltending. Never been defense under Barry Trotz. I mean, we've struggled a little bit defense earlier on in the season, and even with two, I mean, guys well past their peak and in, in, in Green and Chara, we still have been a if you look at it across the league, we've still been a, a very, very good defensive team. And you look at some teams at hemorrhage chances, but offense has always been a struggle for us. Now, when you look at the team as currently constituted, and let's assume best case scenario, you get rid of a guy like Josh Bailey, and and now you bring in a guy like uh, Forsberg. I just want to look at the roster and say who could take a step forward, who takes a step back. I think that Matt Barzal is what he is. I don't, I don't, I don't foresee him elevating his game to a new level. I don't see him taking a step back. I just think he is what he is. You don't and, think with a guy like Forsberg on his line, he's good for 55, 60 assists? I don't think. Oh, I'm, I'm point production maybe up a bit if he's playing with a competent winger. I'm just saying regarding his play on the ice. I don't think his play on the ice is going to take a jump. And I don't think a guy. And we talk about. Do you think Matt Barzal's play on the ice is going to take a step forward? It's not. I think his play is. I think his play is excellent. I just think by virtue of the fact that you have a guy who's who's one of the more prolific scorers in the game playing with him, those chances are going to go in more. I think that's the issue, right? Everly's a good player, not a great player. There, how many, you know, how many goalless streaks did Everly go through, right? We talk about Palmieri and his, you know, three goals in his first 32 games, right? The year Everly signed his extension, he had three goals in his first 32 games. He's, he's as streaky as the game, right? 
we just saw Everly went on a 22 game goal streak that was snapped like last week. So that's one player he's been dealing with. And the other player is Anders Lee, who, who just can't keep up with him at this point. He's a good net front guy. He could score 25 goals. They're not going to be particularly pretty, but you get a guy who, right? Barzell, the biggest area in his production that dipped from year one to years two, three, four, and five that he's in right now is power play is the biggest. He had 27 power play points. Why? Because he played on a unit with John Tavares. And John Tavares is an elite high-end talent. And he was able to, he scored 38 goals and he's a goal scorer. So I think you give him a guy like Forsberg, nothing about his game needs to change. He's just, by definition, he should have more production. And that will lead to more goals for the team. I think, I think again, play on the ice is going to stay similar to the exact same. I think he's an excellent player. Production, uh, Goal production, assist production will increase, as will adding a guy like Forsberg. But when I start looking at other members of the team as well, right? When I say, okay, what do we expect of Kyle Palmieri? Do I expect him to take big steps forward? Do I expect him to remain relatively the same? Or do I expect him now at the age of 32 years old to take a step? Or is he 32 or 31? He's 31. He just turned 31 a week ago. Okay, so 31 years old, going to be 31, 32 next year. Do I take expect him to take a step forward, stay the same, or take a step back? I think he kind of is what he is. I'm expecting I, him to stay I, I would expect him to be better next year than he was this year by virtue of the fact that he has been historically awful this year. Production-wise, his play on the ice in terms of just you know pure underlying numbers and metrics aren't bad. He just wasn't finishing up until recently. I think he could give you 18 to 24 goals as opposed to this year where he's probably going to finish with like 11 or 12. And he, and he missed what, like 15 games this year or something like that. I think, I think you can see an uptick in his production. I think you could see an uptick in Pajot's production. I think you're almost certainly going to see an uptick in Beauvillier's production. He's having career worst year. Nelson is going to tick down because he's not going to shoot 20% and play at a 40 goal pace probably ever again. It's a bit of an outlier year for him personally, but I think most of these forwards, the exceptions to that, I think are Bailey is one. And I think Matt Martin's another because he's just completely cooked. I think Sezikis, we, you know, we, we rag on that contract. I think Sezikis would be visually better looking if he had a left winger who could actually play. I think the biggest detriment to that fourth line is really Matt Martin because he's got a debilitating injury that they've opened. They've been very open about with the media. He literally cannot play. It's a two person line. Cal's been fine this year. And when I say fine, he's not, not good, but he's, he's, he's fine. He's okay. Then how does Barry put him on the ice every night? Don't My hands are to, up. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, that's like, dude, what are you doing? I, there, there, this has been an incredibly puzzling year. I, I mean, the, the only working theory I have is that there must be some sort of internal rift this year between Barry and Lou that just traces back to camp, traces back to the Gustafson decision where maybe Barry wanted to keep Gustafson and Lou didn't because he wanted to keep Chara. And then all of a sudden you have a Barry favorite who the fans hated. We have Leo Komarov who ends up on waivers. And I'm sure when Leo Komarov ended up going to the train station or whatever, or the airport and Lou called him, I'm sure that was Barry giving him the phone to call him because he probably wanted him back. The that, that's my working theory. So now all of a sudden you lose Leo Komarov, right? And you have a, you have another Euro who went back home. Timoshov's like, screw this. I'm not staying in Bridgeport. I'm going home. Right. And now all of a sudden you have a problem with the AHL team. No one's going there. And Goldashev's not happy in the AHL. And Lou's like, all right, Goldashev, I'm bringing you up to the NHL roster. And I think, I think that was Barry thumbing his nose at Lou, not putting him in. 
Lou well, put him on the roster, and I think Barry's just like, you know, fuck you. Well, you know what then? You know what, Barry? And I think this is a part of the season, I think, and again, this is just like a fan theory and could just be fan fiction, but I think that, you know, Barry was probably not happy with the decision with what he left with him with at left D because he liked Nick Letty and understandably Letty needed to be traded, but he did not replace Letty with someone who does what Letty does in terms of his skating ability. He took away Leo Komarov and, and the rest of it has, has just been a tug of war that has led to just some really peculiar roster decisions, which might just be internal bickering. If that's the case, I would have fired Barry already. A coach cannot be so Which means I'm probably wrong. Which means I'm probably dead well, wrong. Well, I'm sure you're wrong, but hey, that this is the type of show that you come on when you want to spout those theories because we'll run with them for weeks. You know, <laughs> let's, run, let's run with it. That's, well, I mean, I, I've got the whole board. I've connected all the dots, and it all traces back to Leo Cohen. You got, you got like the little line, you know, the little, the little yarn. I've got, I've got the faces on it. I mean, they they had three contract terminations in the first six weeks. That's just bizarre. That doesn't that doesn't typically happen in the NHL, right? And then you know, and and I'm sure the Zarnik decision was probably some weird conversation where it's like, Ooh. how many how many players are we going to lose to waivers and to contract terminations to accommodate Ross Johnston, right? Oh, you want you want Ross on a four year deal. I'll go to hell. I'm just going to continue rolling out Matt Martin. So there you go. There you go, Lou. I'm going to roll out Martin. I know you're trying to force Ross on me, but no. It's going to be Martin on the fourth line. But yeah, Martin can't play. He just can't. But he's not going to bounce. I mean, we got here because we're talking about who could bounce back. Martin can't bounce back, and I don't think Bailey could bounce back either, which is why he needs to be gone. I don't. Th I think that, and again, to get back on, oh, go, I'll let you make your comment, and I'll get back on the questions I have. For me, Barry's biggest issue is that he's a slave to his system. I think that's the biggest problem that he has. He, he is not capable of deviating from his system. I, I, I've always felt that's his, that's his main drawback. It's why he can get out coached in the playoffs. He can get out coached. Somebody doesn't change. He's not capable of adjusting. I've never seen it in his whole career. Never. Listen, he, he's, he openly admitted that he has relied on veterans who he have, have delivered him wins in the past. He's been open about this. And up until recently, He's been sticking with it, and now he's finally benching Andy Green in favor of a player who's not particularly good, and really they should wave Aho and have Salo in that position because Salo is, is is the future guy there. But regardless, I mean, he's 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 deviating from what you would call the Barry script by scratching Green five games in a row uh, right now. Okay, but he but, plays Josh Bailey every freaking night. You have to play Josh Bailey. If you want to get rid of Josh Bailey at this point, you 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 have to play him. You just you I can't don't sit care. Him. Sit him on the bench. For Zach what? Parise had a market. He had a market at the end of the year. It was us. But I mean, yeah, but Parise I mean, was still good. Scratch. Parise was still a good player. Bailey sucks. He was Bailey's a healthy terrible. scratch. He was a healthy scratch the last ten games of the year for Minnesota last year. It wasn't the last ten games. It was in the middle. It was after he didn't get off the ice because he tried to feed someone for a hat trick on an empty net goal. So oh. Everson sat him for a few games. So when guys insubordinate, your bench is ass, right? That's what you should do because that works. It does work. It gets a guy motivated. Parisi was never cooked, though. No no one said that Parisi's done. Him and Everson were just oil and water. It just, it just didn't work. I mean, you, you, you could clearly see, watch Zach Parisi play hockey and watch Josh Bailey play hockey right now. It's a different product. <laughs> I, can't watch, I can't watch Josh Bailey play hockey. I don't even think no what he can. does. I don't even think you can call it playing hockey anymore. I don't know um, what it is. He's it's a just, disaster. But I'm just saying, you see, if a coach is insubordinate, and like I said, like you mentioned earlier, we're going to post this all over the place, how you know there was a rift between Lou and Barry. I love that. Um, 
if that's the case, you know what, Barry, maybe you need to sit down. Maybe we're going to demote you for a while, let Lane Lambert coach, because the young guys really seem to produce for him when he's uh, when he <sighs> was fake, buying the Your fake theory. There were no young guys. Wallstrom didn't even play. Wallstrom was in Bello COVID did. protocol. Aho did. They look good. Dobson Aho didn't play. Good. Aho didn't play. Yes, he did. When Lambert was coaching, he absolutely did. When Lambert Aho did not play for Lambert. Salo did. Oh, yeah, Salo didn't look so good. Because he didn't great. play him. Dobson, first no, of all, Kiefer Bell's best game of his career was with Barry behind the bench in Buffalo. He played him like 18 minutes because they didn't have Beauvillier, they didn't have Wallstrom, they had all these guys in COVID protocol. So they gave Bellows like 18 minutes, and the guy looked like a superstar for that one night. That was with Barry behind the bench. Salo got 11 minutes twice under Lambert. Under Barry, his lowest minute total was like 16 minutes or something like that. Lambert did not play Salo. So when you're saying the young guys played well under Lambert, you're talking about Bellows, who had two power play assists. Wallstrom wasn't even there with the exception of one game versus Washington where no one produced because they got shut out and they all looked horrible. This is your fan fiction that you invented that all the young guys... My, name, my nickname isn't Phil's fiction. That's not my nickname. <laughs> that's your nickname. You want to sell your little fiction, that's fine. We're willing to help you with that. But don't I don't think Dobson play. looked any better under Lambert than oh, he does you're under Trotz. Yeah, see, now I totally disagree with you. He was dynamic when Lambert was – because Lambert, I think, gives him a little bit of rope. He gives the younger guys the rope, where Barry, uh-uh. Oh He's got that choker chain on him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> the guy, the, the coach like who's working for – the, the coach who followed yeah. Barry from Washington to the island, who is a student of Barry Trotz. Mm -hmm. Deviated from Barry's plan. So I'm just and saying. Gave Dobson all this room. The reason Dobson scored the goal in overtime is because Lambert was behind the bench. Phil, Phil and the reason good. why Dobson didn't score the goal in overtime wasn't because Beauvillier didn't see him wide open and had his head up his ass, but it was because Barry was holding him back. Phil, listen to me now. Lane Lambert is not Barry Trotz's clone. Yes, it's the same system, but I feel you know, like he has hair. He he has hair, <laughs> nice hair. And, and he <laughs> believes in younger players. He believes younger players should play. I oh, bet you they you see them. Rah, 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 rah. Hey, Barry, play the young guy. No, 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 no. We're gonna play Anders Lee. Josh Bailey, put him back out there in a power play. Uh -uh. No, no, no. Sorry. He played Chara twice for 22 minutes. Ch and two of Chara's like four highest time on ice games are under Lane Lambert. There you go, right there. Look at that. <laughs> Is that is that what you're looking for, Grumpy? That's it. There, there's Barry Trotz on the left, <laughs> and he's got he's got that could be it's Matt Barzell probably right there, <laughs> the prettiest guy in the island. He's got her on he's got her like on a chain. Good wiggle tongue at her. Every time every time Matt Barzell scores, Paige is always like Matt Barzell scored. She loves herself some Matt Barzell, Grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I think it's actually good for TJ's marriage. That Barry coach, because there's not a whole lot of screen time for Matt Barzell after scoring goals. <laughs> I hear you. She hear just you. gets a little I think you, you made it up in your head. Wallstrom wasn't even there. And when he was there, he wasn't doing anything in that Washington game. Salo got no minutes. Dobson was exactly the same Dobson Aho. that he always is. Aho, Aho. Aho didn't play. He Aho. did not play those games. Absolutely did. No, he didn't. I, he did, so I want you to check your facts. He did. I don't Aho think he played. from the Vegas game. Until where he only came in because Salo was in COVID, up until when they started scratching Andy Green, Aho did not play. Aho looked good. He looked very good. <laughs> he didn't play I like Aho. I like yeah, Aho. That's how he looked good. He didn't play any game action, right, Grumpy? It doesn't matter. Bellows looked good looked munching great. on his hot dog. And looked great. 
I'm just telling you, they look great. The young guys, Bellows and Dobson, who when played. when was when was Trotz out? The last game he played, Grumpy was the last time I was happy. It was the last time I was happy. Oh, no, Grumpy, he didn't play. Vegas, the Vegas was the last game he played, and then he didn't play again until Buffalo in February 15th. Thank I don't you. think he played under him. I think it was Sallow Grump. It was Sallow, and he didn't play him. He played him 11 minutes because he needed Char on the ice for half the game. He put Chara out in a tie game versus Edmonton with Andy Green with under a minute left. Ooh. I, I I think that and and again I want to get kind of back to back to the point that encompasses it. I think that Brock, could be better. Brock yeah, Nelson can take a step forward. I think he I mean he is what he is. He's probably taking steps backwards. He's 30 years old, 30, 31, 32. He's taking steps backwards. Josh Bailey and this ideal scenario is not there. Anders Lee will continue to take steps backwards. Not very mobile, had knee surges before in the past. He'll be 32 years old next year. I don't see him taking a step forward. Jean Gabriel Pajot, I I don't think there's any way he takes a step forward. Or from this season, back yeah, correct. I think, he, I think he can. I think he can produce more next year than he did this year. He's got My 15 concern. points in 44 games. What is he on pace to hit about 27? 20, 27 points as a guy who's now going to be entering his 30s and a guy who's yeah. played a lot of tough, hard miles. I'm not sure. My concern with JG Pajot is he hasn't skated the same this year at all. Yep. You're seeing He's more of it lately, though. You, you're, you're definitely seeing more of it lately. Not really. I just, I think his skating, I, I, all right, let's say he's improved. Early, early on, it wasn't there. But I, I, just, think I just don't see the skating. I mean, he was, he looked just like Parise has looked this year in attacking the zone, just like a, a whirling dervish. That's what he looked like his two years with the Islanders. He doesn't look like that at all this year. Maybe it's a scheme thing. I don't know. But I just think his skating has taken a big step back. Maybe he's hurt. I don't know. Maybe he's still hurt from the offseason. Who knows? Could be Suzekis, a lot of reasons. Sezikis at 31 next year is not taking a step forward. I, I think mean, he's, okay, he's on the so I, th- I, I honestly think Sezikis could produce more if they got him a better line mate or better line mates. I, I don't I don't look at Sezikis' game and say, oh, wow, Sezikis is completely washed and cooked, and why is he not scoring? Well, who's passing him the puck? He has no one to pass him the puck on that line. You get, you get him decent wingers. And, and Casey, I mean, he's scored 20 in a season. He scored 14 in a season. He could finish if he has people who are, you know, helping facilitate that. But I don't look at him and say, he doesn't look slow. He's still a good, he's still a good part of a very good penalty kill unit. He still wins faceoffs. I think he's, he's a, he's a perfectly fine top third of the league fourth liner next year. Do, does Barry go away from a guy like Matt Martin? Hasn't shown the want or the ability to do so yet this year. Are we going to see Matt Martin rolled out there game in and game out next year? I think and Matt Martin might go away for Matt Martin. I don't know if he's going to play. I don't know if he's capable of playing next year or if he's going to want to go through this grind again. He doesn't need a million and a half dollars, first of all. And second of all, he's got a million and one other ways to make up that money if he wants to. It's not a money thing for him. He didn't need the million and a half this year either. He can go <laughs> so. ask his father-in-law for a job. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I I, honestly don't know that he's going to be on the team. I mean, no one thought that in year three they were going to wave Leo Komarov. Put it this way. If they don't want – if Lou doesn't want him on the team and he wants to replace him, he'll wave him and Martin just won't show up to Bridgeport and that's just going to be the end of Matt Martin. I, I honestly don't think he'll be on the team next year. Well, see, and that's what I think, you know, I, I don't want to squash your little theory, you know, that you were espousing earlier, Phil – but I mean, if Lou, if Barry just says, "Well, I'm just going to play my guys," Lou just could have waved their asses. See you later. Don't need you. Bye bye. Yeah, but then, I mean, the, you know, waving a guy like Matt Martin is just, you know, in middle of this type of season where you've got so much turmoil. What's the point? But to upset the, the apple cart even more? 
Show Lou who the boss is. I'm the boss. I'm the boss, Barry. Uh, I'm the know. boss. Not you. Know. Lou Marta. Oh, my gosh. But and, and let's assume everything goes well. Players bounce back. Under the best. And, and then, again, you need Wallstrom. You need Wallstrom to step up, right? Here's a crazy stat for you. Anders Lee has either as many or more five-on-five goals than Wallstrom and Beauvillier combined. That's a problem. Wallstrom needs to get better. Say, that one, more, get say better. that one more time. Five-on-five five goals. Wallstrom and Beauvillier have a combined nine. I believe Lee has – I think he has ten, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I'm, I'll be honest with, with you. If I'm playing with Matt Barzal, I'd be able to put up points. And the other guy's playing, playing with the guy who can't skate in J.G. Pajot. So there you go. With lesser minutes. So you're saying, okay, but he, he listen, he's played on the line with Pajot and Parisi. Facts. Those are just facts, Bill. Facts. Not fiction. Grumpy facts. He needs to be better. <laughs> he does. He's, he's not. He's not playing with. He's not playing with Dregs. Let's 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 not make it out to be like he's playing with with Sezikis and and Martin. He's playing with Parisi and Pajot. Pajot hasn't been great this year. He's, he's playing with two third liners. I mean, that's that's the best way to put it. We just said that so Parisi okay. is. So what you're saying is, is Wallstrom is not able to do anything to elevate his game to the point where he could be a a very good five on five player. Wallstrom is a very good. Uh, he's a very good piece that could score and he snipes. I mean, that's that's what he is. He's physical. He's you know for his size, he'll throw the body around a bit. He does show spurts here and there. He's not going to be a guy who's zipping past you with his ability to skate. He's a guy where if space is created for him. He's a guy who can pick spots. He's a guy where if Matt Barzal creates space for him, gives a little drop off pass. I feel confident that a guy like Oliver Wallstrom can convert an opportunity like that. We don't have anybody like that on this line currently, and we still determined to go ahead and put him out there with guys who don't skate all that well, and again, who are towards the tail end. That that that's just not that's not going to be prone for him. Listen, playing good he he hasn't been, in my opinion, he hasn't been fantastic on the power play either. He's been he's been good on the power play, not great. And and part of that is because Dobson, for some reason, is is generally speaking terrible at setting him up for one timers. I don't know what it is, but he just never gets it to him on a tee. When I look at, well, I think Wallstrom has a higher ceiling for next year, though. I think that's a player that can improve. I think Dobson can improve. I think Pollock could bounce back. Um, Boy, there's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of ifs in sure there. there. Sure, there, there's, there's a thousand. There's, ifs. there's a ton of ifs, but the ifs are are rooted in what we've seen them do as recently as six months ago. Yeah, they suck. I'm sorry. We're well, well, we're in our 30s. We caught lightning in a bottle last couple of years. Shortened seasons. It, to me, it's it's so obvious. Don't worry, Phil. You'll come along. You're not there yet. Don't worry. You'll come along. Well, this, the, here's I look at even the years where the Islanders were, you know, wheeling and dealing with a team. You know, we look at some of these younger players who were in their prime that you can maybe argue that aren't there as much yet. You look at the goals per game, and that's that's the issue that kind of leaves me, you know, in, in a little bit of a crux. I mean, you look at the, the three years, three complete years under Trotz. First year he was there, twenty second. In the league and goals for the game scored a game second year 24th goals per game and then last year was 20th and goals scored per game I, you know i the team just doesn't score enough goals and that's always been the biggest issue do you foresee a guy like forsberg being able to immediately elevate us in older players that are in our top six do you imagine that immediately being able to elevate us to a team that's even 15th or 14th and goals scored for a game i just don't see it i think I that we're only only if you only if you solve for the issue on the left side of the defense because if you don't then no 
then 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 the answer to the question is no because i think you know the entire system is dependent in, it's dependent on five players and it's dependent on being able to move the puck up ice and have sustained zone time and that's not something that char offers and that's not something that green offers and frankly that's not really something that aho off has been offering either they don't they don't have sustained zone time like they did in the past up until you know the halfway point Man, of last still, that phil just can't wait to take those little slams at my boy aho you know <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know what? You can say the same thing about Pulak. He's been terrible this year. He's been terrible. bad this year. He's terrible. been bad since the injury. Yep. Well, you he can't expect that from Pulak either. Just well, one he was, guy. He was one bad guy. even before the injury when he was paired up with somebody not named Adam Pellick. But I'm well, sorry. Continue. Listen, he, he works best. If you have Pulak and Pellick together, I'm fully confident that, that is gonna, that's a unit. I am. I just am. There's enough evidence to suggest that they are an elite tandem together. And I, I think they're going to be put back together next year. They should listen. I, I I'd, I'd inquire if if you're intent on moving Bailey to Arizona, I'd, I'd ask about what it would take to get Gostas Spear sent the other way. I think oh. Gostas. I think he's resurrected his career oh. to the point where he's 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 been excellent this season, offensively and defensively. Barry Trotz and Shane Gostas in the same sense. You used you went there. <laughs> uh, you went there. You really went there. Okay. I went there. Oh my I god. I went there. He might murder him at some point. <laughs> But, Don't worry, it'd be it would be no adoption's fault. Even though they play on different lines, it would be his fault. <laughs> no, I'd like them together. I'd like I'd like oh, Ghost. I, I want to see Dobson. Somebody with has the ghost. to play defense. I'd love to see Dobson with the Ghost. Oh, I hate God. Just that's just better. I hate him. I think the Islanders, if they got Forsberg, could move up to 19th in the league in scoring. From I think they can move higher, but it would depend on who's the second pair D. That, that that's really yeah, what just, it is. They think, they're they're listen. Their on ice goal share with with Pelican Pollock out last year was like sixty five percent, just dominating teams, just absolutely. That was last they, you know what? That was last year. Last year, yeah, they had like a sixty five percent on ice goal. It was it was just nuts, just absolutely dismantling teams when those two were on the ice. That is the biggest piece of the that's the, that's the biggest rung on the ladder. They got knocked off is that they're you know for more than a third of the game they just had complete control. And we're strangling teams, and Letty and and, and Mayfield were, were just about even. Um, Dobson and Green were actually a a, a plus pair together, um, taking on weaker matchups, of course, because they were a third pair. But you know you have to get that top pair back together and get get them back to the form that they were. That's that that's the biggest uh, ingredient for the team to work. That was the backbone of it. And I think actually they looked best two years ago. I thought they were outstanding together. Last until Pella got hurt, you're saying? Um, yes, until Pellet got hurt. I thought they were outstanding. Last year, I thought they took a step back, and mm. this year was this year. I thought mm. they maybe not maybe not using your little metrics. I'm just using the eyeball test. They had a lot of walkarounds. Um last I mean, year. It, listen, they're going against the best in the league. That's gonna happen. I'm just saying right? well, everyone's gonna get walked around. Every defenseman gets walked around by elite players. Oh, so that so that's it now. So that's it when they don't perform. That's because they're playing against Lee Plate Phil. I'm telling you what, for a guy who's big on facts, he's using a whole lot of well, look at it, look at how many look at how many elite defenders Connor McDavid makes look like an idiot. I mean, that, that's just the way the league goes. Um, I'm not talking about Connor McDavid. They're, they're not getting beaten by dusters. Let's put it that way. I'm going to show a few comments. I'm sorry, guys. We will not be able to do all the comments. I'm starting to star a few of them. So I'll pop up a few that I think will, you know, obviously, you know, further the conversation trigger. or will be fun. Triggers? Going to trigger something? No, just for the conversation. going to trigger Grumpy. I mean, I, I, Phil is over here 
selling lollipops and gumdrops and everybody, you know, rain, rainbows and show ponies. I mean, Listen, I, I already am. I've got the ticker tape ready next year. I'm ready. Toronto, right? He's a big Toronto guy. <laughs> he had a, Phil had a bold prediction that Toronto would not make the playoffs this year. So I'll be interested. Maybe it got, did you really know. say that? I did. It was it was a bold prediction at the beginning of the year. What? I'm waiting for the Red Wings to catch them. I'll tell you why. I, I they're and it's still a problem. I I hate their forward depth. But listen, Matthews and Marner and Tavares have been. I mean, Tavares lately has been bad. But for for a stretch and Nylander. They, they carried the team, and bunting has been a surprise. But I knew the Nick Ritchie yeah. thing wouldn't work out, and Nick Ritchie's now you know on the desert, or in the desert, rather. Um, they're still looking to upgrade their second line, which has been terrible now because Kerfoot has come back down to earth. I thought their D is bad, and their D, they've got two gigantic holes on D right now with Muzzin being out for the rest of the season, um, at least the regular season, and Justin Hall just not being an NHL player. And I didn't think that Jack Campbell for the first 40 games of the season or 35 games of the season would be a 940 goaltender. He's I not. thought he'd be more in line with what he is now. And now they're losing games because him and Morozik both stink. So is Detroit going to catch them? No, but the logic essentially was that Montreal was going to be competitive again. And that I thought Montreal would compete with Toronto for the fourth spot and that Boston would be the third seed, which I think still could happen. I think they're what four points behind them or three points behind them or something like that. I still think Boston could overtake Toronto, but I had Montreal and Toronto fighting it out for that fourth spot. And that's when I made my bold prediction that Toronto won't make it. I did not see Montreal being the worst team in the league. Neither did I. That was why that was the one Hands thing that, up. that was, that was a surprising thing to me. Yeah. But. But here's the thing. I wasn't dumb enough to say that Toronto was not making the playoffs. Grumpy, if you had a Twitter, Grumpy, I can only imagine that. that you don't know, like they do something called freezing cold takes, Grumpy. You'd have you'd have a few really cold takes. It's a, it's, a, it's a freezing cold take. Save it. Put it up there. I still think they're going to get absolutely slaughtered with whoever they play in the first round because I think no, they've got possible. I think they got too many holes on defense to patch. I mean, their top pair is Riley with Brody. The second pair they put out last night was Lubushkin with Sandin and Sandin's good. I don't think he's a second pair. And I think Lubushkin stinks and he got, he got smoked on Columbus's third goal and their third pair. They, they benched hall. They went with Lilligren and who, who they go on with the left and Dermot. I don't <laughs> good know. Good luck you, to you, you, and Dermot when you're staring down Nikita Kucherov. Now you, were just pumping up, you were just pumping up Dermot earlier in this podcast. If we moved, uh, Mayfield for Dermot. He's, he's, a, he's a third pair. He's, he's a third pair that you could, you know, you could have on your team, but I'm, you know, listen, I'm not trusting him to play when your second pair is Sandin and Labushkin. I just like how we're poking in some of your facts all of a sudden. We're poking little holes okay. in your facts theories. No, I mean, like they, I mean, they've got, they've got players. I mean, like Amarov we're talking about that maybe is worth of, you know, some Amarov stuff. unfortunately uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumor today. Good the, job, oh, DJ. Really yeah. good job there. Yeah. I didn't know we got diagnosed with the brain tumor. the guy with the brain tumor. Really, really yeah, good. He's getting treatment in Germany. So, yeah, that's that's just unfortunate. That's brand new news to me, Grumpy. Yeah. I didn't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Very Thank sad. You, DJ, thanks a lot. Well, obviously, prayers Now we're going to get us canceled for picking on people with brain tumors. I don't know. I'm saying he would be good in return for a trade, Grumpy. I didn't know he had No, it. unfortunately. He'll probably hockey's the least of his worries. At least, I mean, apparently he's skating three times a week in Germany, but he's he's getting treatment for for, for cancer. Mm. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I was thinking of what pieces could come back in our way. Obviously, that would not be one of those. That would um, not be one of those, no. Uh, Ivo, and these are just going to be a few comments I picked. Sorry for not going to get to all the comments, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to do my best. Ivo says, what unrestricted free agents does Phil wish the Islanders sign this summer? Well, we already saw the Flames assistant GM say today this morning that the Goodrow deal is as good as done. Now, whether or not that's just posturing by the Flames, who knows? That would be a dream, of course, but I think Forsberg. Forsberg's the dream. Okay. Gotcha. Get ready uh, for Nightmare Allen the fans. John A says Andrew Gross said on his podcast that Zach Parise told him he did not want to be traded. Just when I thought maybe we could get decent compensation. Now, do you think this is going to be a similar situation? Does he give the same exact liberty to Zach Parise and say, Do you want to be traded? Do you not want to be traded? If he doesn't want to be traded, we keep him. If he wants to be traded, we move him. If he doesn't want to be traded per Andrew Gross, do we use the same same ideology we use with Chara and Andy Green? Get rid of him. Dump his ass. I don't well, care I'm just saying that's, that's that's what people are saying, right? He's asking people if they want to stay or go, and if that's the case with Zach Parise, you say, listen, listen. I, I trust Gross because he's he's in the room with these guys virtually at least, and he speaks to them. And he gets he probably gets them, you know, off the record sometimes. But I just don't understand why Parise would want to stay. I'm going to tell you why. It's but I'll tell, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll just tell you this. What I want is for them to be able to recoup assets for him. What will happen is if Prezi doesn't want to go, I don't think Lou's going to trade him. That's not what I want, but I don't think we will. Here's here's the thing. Why doesn't he want to get traded? Why would he? He's playing first-line minutes, playing on a power play, playing on a penalty kill at 37 years old. What the hell? I mean, you know, where's he going to play if he goes to a good tender? He's going to be a bottom six guy. I mean, getting limited minutes. That's why he doesn't. It's a country club over here for everybody. In you don't think he wants a ring? You don't think he wants a shot to go to, uh, I don't know, the Flames and pick up a cup? No idea. I'm just saying when he says he doesn't want to get traded, that's the reason why he doesn't want to get traded. He gets a shitload of ice time. They treat him like a god over here. They, I can do no wrong. Hey, we have a problem? Put Zach Parise there. He'll fix it. <laughs> Listen, I think <laughs> from from a, from an offseason standpoint, what what's potentially an even more interesting route is if you want to – kind of upgrade on that Beauvillier spot and use Beauvillier in a trade for a Kevin Fiala because Minnesota is cap strapped and they had a problem with Fiala's contract this past year and they could only do one year. That's interesting. Is there something that you could do with Vancouver and Brock Besser who's like not Brock played Besser. great with um, you know, the past two years in Vancouver? Can you make a deal like that? That's interesting to me. That That's another route you could potentially go for a guy who's in Beauvillier's age bracket and upgrade that way um, rather than simply splurging on a UFA. It's an interesting proposition, but I still ultimately think you have to get rid of Bailey. He just can't be on the team. Finally, something we, we agree on. Phil. We've been, we've been wanting that. that for the last few years. I've Phil's been saying that for 13 years. <laughs> Tommy B saying here, congratulations to the Daniel Charles on playing man. his 1,000. Hey, man, let me tell you something. That TJ Next. did his little boot licking buddies on here. Next. As as con- oh, come on. <laughs> Next. I tweeted out, by the way, the Islanders' social media accounts. It's like, oh, tomorrow the record's going to be broken. First of all, weird thing to jinx him because, like, what if, you know, God forbid the guy has a heart attack and, like, it never happens? It's just so like, weird to put that out as this is what's going to happen tomorrow. But I, like, retweeted and I'm like, okay. You know, listen this. To me. Listen to me. Stop. Stop for a second. TJ's guy got a brain cancer. Let's trade for him. You're saying Zidane is going to have a heart attack before tomorrow night. 
Since when am I the little ray of sunshine on this podcast? That's what I want to know. I didn't know we got brain cancer today, Grumpy. How the heck am I supposed to know that? I don't keep Bill, up with all the Bill Toronto Maple Leafs. going to have a heart attack overnight. He just no, it. God forbid. It's just you know, it's just a weird thing to tweet out in advance of that. That's all. Mm. But it, what I what I what I wrote was we punted on the chance to go to the playoffs for the stupid record. So no, I will not be reading this propaganda. <laughs> there it is. I just figured I'd pop it up. Um, if you actually said that, it comes across better with your delivery than your little tweet. That's what like your type. Right? Tweet, I'm sure got a lot of likes. I have no idea, but I assume that probably got a lot of likes because I'm sure many people agree with that thought process, Phil. I should. It's just, I, I just hate the Trower propaganda. I hate the whole, oh, he's been such an impact on Dobson. Well, then why is Dobson still pretty much awful defensively? I don't, think, I don't think he's getting more power play points because he he sits next to Chara at the lunch table. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think he's getting more points because he's shooting more. He's getting more ice time. So by virtue of having 21 or 22 minutes a game versus 15 minutes a game, you're just going to have more points. He's getting better at the power play thing, and he's still not great defensively. So, I think it's see. I think it's hurt him defensively playing with Chara because he's got to cover for him all the time. As opposed to just playing his spot, he's had to cover for the fact that Char can't move out there. But is is that the kind of thing that could help you in the long run, though? Um, it's interesting that it, well, I mean, if if you're trying to same thing we're talking about with goaltenders, you want to be able to believe that your partner can do what he's supposed to do out there on the ice. If he's not, you're doing no good work. You're doing too much. What your partner does same thing when you work with a cohesive unit of the offensive line. You want to believe your left guard, right guard. You want to believe all your linemen can go ahead and what oh, grumpy. Do offensive line talk on your time, please. <laughs> I want to throw it in there because I know I get a reaction from you. But I mean, you want to believe your partner is going to be able to do what he's supposed to do. Right. Because if you have to cover for him, you're potentially letting something that you're supposed to do or some aspect that, uh, you know, you're supposed to cover this man or cover this period of ice, this space on ice, and you have to cover for him. All of a sudden, you're out of position. I mean, I, I've seen that many, many times this year. And I think it's, you know, people say, well, he's not. Look, he made that mistake. Yeah, but he's, it's because Chara can't get to the puck in the corner. He can't. I mean, it, it, he just can't. He, I mean, boy, talk about a turnstile. Oh, my God. His ice time in second periods must be astronomical. The strategy is, if you watch the games, the strategy is simple, and it was most on display in that second game versus Red Wings. You dump it in on the left side. Yep. He's not able to get there. It's the period of the long change, and you got him out for a two-and-a-half-minute shift, and it's been happening all season yep. long. And Dobson's had to cover for him, and I think yeah. it's it, I think it's, you know, that that's why I think – you you say, oh, well, he hasn't been good defensively. I think there's a reason why. Michael I think Lynch. he's actually gotten better positionally and physically defensively this year. He's still not a finished physical product, but no, he's, not winning more, he's winning more battles along the walls than he did previously. Michael, I'm saying, Phil, you look a little bit like Kyle Dubas. Probably is him. Maybe. That's it. That, that's well, Dubas is handsome, so I'll take it. All right. It's Tony Chi saying, Phil can't marry kill or marry screw or kill he would just kill 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 he gives me those dexter vibes oh shit i figured he'd find that one interesting um andre m says according to david pagoda uh, <laughs> Agnota, uh um who is a very reputable source and reliable the wild have interest in josh bailey now i want to ask what I think you he's think being sarcastic no maybe. i don't think he is no uh, maybe okay. not listen to me phil you can laugh at your listeners on your podcast. Do not laugh, laugh at my listeners. You <laughs> I just thought he was making a joke. Well, I mean, he, could, he could be. 
Maybe it is. I don't think so. Um, but uh, looking good as always. And Grumpy is looking suave, Grump. I want to put that up just because it's a compliment to you, Grumpy. Thank you, Michael. I love Michael. He's a great guy. Uh, Jerry Ben wants to know, Phil, if you had to either vote for Snoop Dogg or Gary Bettman as president, who would you pick? Gary Bettman. There was a quick one. Uh, Time B says, expect JT Miller to be the next big name to get traded. I'm not convinced. Tom Tom White says management has to do something before Barzal's contract is done. He needs to see progression, not regression. I don't see him sticking around if things don't change. I agree. Yeah, we discussed that already for sure. Um, Andy Green will not be traded. He's told the Islanders he is retiring at the end of the season and won't move. The reason Aho is playing now and Green is not, Aho will be dealt. Do you think Sebastian Aho will be a name that the Islanders are trying to move? You mentioned that he is not one of the solutions here. It's more sallow. Does a team find some sort of value in a guy like Sebastian Aho as a seventh defenseman? No, because I don't think any team would ever get down to the point where you'd want Sebastian Aho being the guy that you're putting out in a playoff game. Simple as that. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent by virtue of the fact that he's not going to hit 80 games. So he's going to be a group six UFA, even though cap friendly says he's an RFA with arbitration rights. It just hasn't updated in their software yet. Yes, Phil. There he goes, man. That, that passive aggressive shit that Phil does so well. He knows people keep going to be like, Hey Phil, why, why do you keep saying he's a UFA? If it says on cap friendly, he's an RFA with arbitration rights. Well, it's because it hasn't registered the fact that he can't possibly hit 80 games on his career when they're just, are only 36 or seven left and there's just not enough to get him to 80. So he's going to be a UFA. He probably hates the Islanders because Barry never plays him. This is the last place he'd want to sign more realistically. If no one's going to give him a one-way deal, he's probably going to do what a guy like Timoshov did and go back to Europe rather than be waved down to the AHL, which is ultimately what I think happens with him. So no, I don't think any team is going to pay anything for Ajo. Why Ahu's playing right now, I have no idea. Don't know. Druel says, at the end of the day, business is business. You want fans in a seat, you got to start the real build sooner rather than later. That's right, Phil. If you want fans in the seats, doing a full-on rebuild is going to keep them out of the seats. That's just okay. my opinion. You have to be one of two things. You have to be winning or you have to be fun to watch. Right now, we're neither. They were fun to watch. I mean, I guess they were giving up so many goals that it got not fun at a certain point, but they were scoring in buckets under Doug Waite. That was, yeah. for a certain kind of hockey fan, that was entertaining. The yeah. losing part wasn't entertaining, but they were yeah. losing like seven to six. <laughs> yeah. But five it, but to it, four. At least the games were fun, though. But this, the ex- building was empty, though. I'm not, uh, well, that's a it's whole It's because we've been years of hideous play, years of bad play. Now we've had this little red. I mean, that was the that was Barzell's rookie season. All of a sudden, you have an, for the first time ever, we've got a guy who can skate like the wind and looks like a superstar out there. And you would have thought that on a night in, night out basis, you'd have more than 10,000 fans showing up to Barclays. And they just didn't because they sucked. Hmm. Yeah. I, and here's the other thing I don't think we would ever be as bad as a time period that we were under Doug Waite in the past. I think that, you know, you look at the pieces we have. I think that Trotz is a good coach. I'm just not sure he's the coach for this solution. He's not. We need uh, Brendan Moore to get us to the second round. There it is. Well, if he played us, he'd probably be a Stanley Cup champion. We need Brendan Moore to get us to the second round to lose in five to Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let me ask you this if this year right we're not making the playoffs and next year we don't Alex, carolina wins a cup this year the carolina, carolina i don't think is one of the cup they're not winning cup 
when they win the cup this year, then what are you going to say? They're you not winning the, the cup. They're not winning the cup. I'm you sorry. My, my, my thing with this season is until someone proves to me that they could beat Vasilevsky in a seven-game series, the favorite is Tampa. Until proven otherwise. That's that's that's, that's my line on this. I agree with that. You beat Vasilevsky in a seven-game series, go right ahead. Vasilevsky would be 90 years old and we were not beating him in seven. <laughs> Didn't matter. No one I'm beat him. No one beat him. No one could beat him three times. Best goalie in the league. Best goalie in the league. He uh, is. saying, Mike Carver was on Hockey Night in the York podcast and said that there's no way that Lou's going to rebuild. Just a tweak here or there. Lou wants to win now. Well, Mike Carver also said that in July, <laughs> I would not take Zach Parise for five cents on the dollar. He's completely washed. He's completely done. I do not want this player. So... Were you trumpeting the Zach Parise signing? Was, were you leading that? Fan of Zach Parise, yeah. He was, I, I think, if I recall correctly, Phil, you were a fan of the Zach Parise signing. I was a very big fan of Zach Parise. I am still a very big fan of the Zach Parise signing. I think Zach Parise, listen, he's not going to finish with the 20 goals I said he would, but I think you'll get a respectable 12, 13 goal 10. with 22 assists stat line for 34 points. Something like that. TJ, I owe you an apology. What is that for? It was Phil who said Parisi was going to get 20. That's what I, I said. Parisi was gonna Listen, I said 10 to 15. You kept saying 15 to 20. Wait, I'm like, when the hell did I say that, Grum? TJ, TJ, kept, TJ was consistent. We, we, we I was in the middle of the summer. TJ said 10 to 15. <laughs> I said Parisi's going to bounce back. He's going to score 20 goals on this team. And what did I say? None. You said he was going to score like six. I you said, said you're like, yeah, he's gonna put up like no points. He's completely done. He can't that's skate. Right. I, that's he exactly. can't play defense. He can't play special teams. I think Absolutely. you were the most wrong because the only thing I got wrong was the goal scoring production, right? Oh, I was off on the goal scoring. I'll, I'll own that. But as a player, he is someone who is. I think he's fun to watch. He is one of like three guys on a consistent basis who actually looks like he knows what the hell he's doing out there. And he plays the role that you would hope he would play and, and is playing it well. We have always had a problem at that LW3 position. It went from starting off with like Tanner Fritz, and then it was Andrew Ladd for a bit, and then Tom Kunockle and Michael Dalcole, Leo Komarov for a bit. We, we never had that position solidified with anyone remotely close to what Zach Preezy is giving you. And it's just a shame because – on last year's roster or two years ago's roster, someone like that potentially could have made a difference. That's all. They've wasted it. They've wasted an opportunity with with Parise still as an effective player. Well, but we still had to play Tampa, right? Two years ago. You still listen. It didn't matter. We weren't winning. No, Phil. No. <laughs> Forget it. Oh man, we would have won with Zach Parise. But I was a hundred percent wrong about Parise. I, I, I'm pleasantly surprised with his play this year. Absolutely, I think a lot of people are. Yeah, I, I didn't think, I didn't think that he was gonna. I did not want him. Frank, I just, I just didn't think. Let me ask you this: Would you want him back for seven fifty next year as a bottom six? Would you take him back seven fifty straight up? I would. You would. But here's here's the reason why I didn't want him in, in over the summer was because I didn't think. He was a piece to put us over the top. I, and I still feel the same way. We have so many issues in our top six that I didn't think a third line right left wing was going to be enough to make us a true Stanley Cup contender. And unfortunately, I was proven right. But that's why I didn't want him. I wanted a younger player, not somebody who's 37. But would I take him back next year to play the fourth line? Yeah. 
if Barry's coach, he'd be back on the first line in no time, though. He's played one game on the first line and was uh, What do you think he's coming off that first line? You think Hopefully any time? He was great. There you go. Well, that's that's what I was about to say. Frank G says, I love the Barzal Paris St. Paul Mary line. Um, that may be the mix. Listen, I think it should have been tried like by game 10. Just just juggle it up and see if, if something works. He can move, he can he can retrieve the puck, get it to Barzal. I mean, you how many opportunities do they have? Paul Mary had enough opportunities last night where he could have had a hat trick. There was one where he just missed it, sliding it across the, you know, an empty net. There was one on his weak side where Grubauer robbed him. I think there was another one where, oh, Parise with beautiful pass up to Barzell where he tried to go five hole and Grubauer closed it. Um, they generated a ton of chances. Let's see what they do against San Jose tomorrow night. And, and maybe that's something that they roll with for the rest of the season. Do you want to sign a guy like Rasmus no. first line in the summer? <laughs> no. Okay. no. Can't Warzone. Warzone Warlord says Panarin chose the Rangers because he knows Trotz would take away his offensive game. This guy's the warlord. He's the warlord, Phil. You now, know, we, a question now we said we already knew that he was, you know, that was that small time period of about like maybe an hour, hour and a half, two hours that we all thought that Panarin was penciled in to come to the Islanders before he signed with the Rangers. Do you think that Barry Trotz's style had any impact on Panarin and where he wanted to sign? Or do you just always think it was the Rangers? You think he wanted to play for David Quinn? No, he wanted to go play on Broadway, plain and simple. He we, wanted to play on Broadway. And this is the argument that I'm getting as to like, why the hell would Forsberg want to come to the Islanders if they're not a playoff team this season? And the answer is it's all about what, what, what makes the player tick. For Panarin, the Rangers were the sixth worst team in the league that season, right? They went from six to two in the draft because they got the lottery luck. But why did Panarin want to go there? Because for him, he wanted the bright lights of Broadway and he wanted to be a superstar in the world's largest venue. And, his, and wife, his wife wanted to go there also. His wife's a model or something like that, yeah, right? Or an right. artist, something like that. And his wife wanted to be there. So why would Forsberg pick the Islanders if there's some sort of appeal to him because maybe he likes hiking in Montauk or maybe his wife likes the suburban life and they also like to be 30 minutes from Manhattan. Maybe that's what gets him there. Maybe he really, really enjoyed playing for Barry Trotz back in 2011. Oh, Who the hell knows? But I don't think people make decisions necessarily – based on team is good, team is bad, team is this, team is that. With Panarin, it was simply he was going to be a ranger, and they used the Islanders as leverage to bid up the price. End of story. George P. says, can you believe the Islanders Kool-Aid thinking that we're going to get assets for trading away Josh Bailey? Now, Just do you moving think him is an asset. Just moving him off the roster is an asset. Correct. You get $5 million in cap space. He says he will personally drive Josh Bailey to Minnesota if that's the case. So we've got to fly him there private, to be honest. Wow. There it is. He'd Look fly him. first class. We'd fly him first class. Matthew S. said, um, would have to be given an offer that we cannot refuse to part ways with Scott Mayfield. In the offseason, it might be different. I don't know. I think if you're going to move him – to get the most assets you can, it's this or it's it's the, the trade, trade deadline. Line. Yeah, the not, trade not, not the off season. Yeah, off season prices are always at a discount because people yeah. are jockeying for cap space position. The trade deadline, you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, that's and right. when you know it comes with an extra year, I mean, no, that's if you're going to move them, it's the trade deadline. Yeah, Mayfield's got and this is Michael W. saying Mayfield's got one of the best contracts on the Islanders right now for certain. We're getting a lot of no chickrins, and we got a one of what would it take to move or to acquire a guy like 
Jacob Chikrin. More than any other team is willing to offer. <laughs> we're not getting. I mean, him. that's the answer. We're not, I don't, we're, not, we're not getting him because we don't have the most to offer. How are you going to win? We got to score more points than the other team. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, there's there's no shortage of teams. Everyone could fit him. He's got a cheap cap hit. He's only in foreign change. So pretty much any team in the league could make that work. It's not like adding a $10 million guy to the roster. Four and a half million for a two pair. You're going to have 30 teams lining up for that. Okay. And Jim M saying every problem is Barry Trotz, according to TJ. That's wow. not true. I think that he does get, he does get, I mean, like I look at the line combinations we've thrown out there this year, hasn't been great. I think system, you know, long term, I'm just not sure it's the answer. I, I mean, here, here's another one. What, what are they expecting Nelson to do on, on his, um, on his strong side on the power play there? What, what's he doing there? You know this this yeah, new yeah. alignment where they took Wallstrom off of off of the uh, the the, the right up. On the left. yeah yeah what what is Nelson supposed to do there he can't shoot a one timer for there from there no. he's not an yeah. excellent passer nope. I have no idea what he's doing on that unit that should be Paul Mary that's that's all well, that's a trots thing though that's mm-hmm. a trots thing don't understand he has a lot of baffle how is Josh Bailey still on the power play <laughs> I, 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 he's still on the power play. I, I I just can't wrap my head around. Oh, Jim, no offense. Lovely family, by the way. I love looking at the pictures. Lovely family. But I don't think that TJ says every problem is Barry Trotz. I mean, there's definitely a point and reason for criticism this year for, for what he's done. I mean, like he's done a lot for the team, a lot of great for the team. You know, you just don't want to – I don't want to waste years thinking to ourselves, okay, we're right on the verge. I, I just think there's a lot of there's a lot of work that has to be done, and I was a big believer, and I thought that everything was pointing to us making a move for a guy like a Vladimir Tarasenko this offseason. I really did. I'm not sure if I bought into false hope hype. I don't know. Could have been a multitude of different things, but I, I've I've thought that every offseason, right? This is the year we're going to make something big. This is the year we're going to do it. I just I don't want to be disappointed the same way I was in off seasons past. So now, I don't I don't think anyone thought they were going to do. Anything the off season before they couldn't do anything. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. This yeah. is the last off season. That was the really year. last off season and the Panarin off season. Those were the two. Panarin, when you really, I mean, you you wanted to convince yourself that it was going to happen. I wanted though. him. I remember. I'm, I was walking around the block. I I know exactly where I was in my neighborhood when I heard he was signed to the Islanders. I'm like, oh my god! I can. I remember it. Yeah. It was a Saturday afternoon. I know exactly where I'm. Like, oh, it was man. a Sunday afternoon. No, it was Saturday. No, no. Bob McKenzie came out with it on a Sunday afternoon. I was pushing my daughter on the swing and I call my brother and I'm like, Jonathan, it's happening. We're getting Panarin. And I remember where I was and I was, I was ecstatic. It's like when and all my Ranger fan friends were like, no, 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 no. They're just bidding up the price here. You idiot. I'm like, damn, I shouldn't. This shouldn't is it's, when I hear everybody giving their stories. It's like the <laughs> the day. It's like grumpy. You can give us like certain uh, certain aspects where it's like, I remember this is a day that U.S. beat the Russians and this and the miracle on ice happened. You give me the, you give right, me right. the layout of what happened beforehand. Like this when Kennedy died. When Elvis, I knew where I was when Elvis died. I remember exactly where, where Michael, I was when Michael Jackson died. It happened on I a remember exactly where Friday Jackson morning. Died. Right. I, listen, I remember Tavares Day. I was at LAX flying back from Los Angeles from a wedding, and I was sick. And then they're like, well, wait a minute. It looks like Lou's about to pull a rabbit out of the hat because Islanders are closing in on Ryan O'Reilly. And I'm like, okay, 
we lost JT, but it sounds like we're getting Ryan O'Reilly. No. And then it was just like Buffalo's asking for like Kiefer Bellows and Ryan Pollock. And I'm like, oh, screw that. Like this is back when we thought Ke- this is right after Kiefer Bellows had the record setting world junior. And I'm like, no, I'm not training Bellows. He's going to be on the team this year. He's amazing. Screw that. And then he ended up going to Buffalo. I'm like, okay, well, someone else is going to come. We're going to get Carlson or we're going to get Duchesne or. And then we, and then never, we got, and then we got Philpola and Komarov. <laughs> we never get anyone. Never. We just don't. <laughs> no, we don't. That's, that's, I mean, it's unfortunate. Uh, Jake, they're too much pessimistic. He says the Kraken and Hextall, those names make me want to vomit. Grump knows I'm a grumpy old man in training. Jeff E says, yeah, Ron Hextall's cousin. Um, and it was an ESPN feed, not the crack. And it was a national game on ESPN plus she was brutal, um, but it was all ESPN. It was hard to listen to commentary uh, about uh, how teams need to trade for Palmieri makes me think, am I just on drugs or are they on drugs? I think they everyone's are on drugs. drugs. Everyone's, yeah, everyone's on drugs. drugs. Bo- Bocephus says, I look for St. Louis to trade a guy like Jordan Binghamton this offseason um, with them, with those two young goalies that they've got. Is who's going to tra- trade for him? I was about to say, is a guy like Jordan, I mean, like he's had success in the past. I know he hasn't been fantastic as of the last few years, but I mean, do you, I see guys get traded for based off of past success all the time. Is he's, a one, he's a one-hit wonder. I just want to say thanks to Hank Williams Jr. Uh, chiming in on the podcast. What's Hank? Uh, what do you mean by Hank Williams Jr.? Osephus. Was that a song you sang or something? It's his nickname. Oh, gotcha. Um, Andre M says two years of Holtby is okay. Maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't be opposed to two years of Holtby. That's Way to go on a limb there, Phil. I guess you're hanging on to the trunk, not like TJ. <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, what's what's the dollar cost? Ideal, listen, ideally you want the second goalie spot always to be occupied by someone as cheap as possible. And He's getting paid $2 million a year on a prove-it deal. He hasn't necessarily proved it this year. I mean, what do you think, three? I mean, like even if you sign him to two years, three million, I think that the prove it deal didn't really pan out for him this year. Yeah, but there's no goalies available this summer, so you're going to be able to get more. I th- I think. I think there are always goalies available every year. Not every this year. year. Look at it this year. Last year there were. This year there's not. I mean, Bre- I mean, Braden Holpe. I feel like is one of the bigger names. Mark Andre Fleury is the biggest, and Holpe. I think it's the second when you talk we'll about back. No, no, the second is Kemper. I'm okay. I'm thinking name. I mean, did did oh. he want to point in the Vesby, the Vesna? I don't think so. Close at one time. Okay, I couldn't remember if he did with Washington or whether it was close. Uh, Frank K says Phil's correct. Um, Shesterkin hit 50 wins in only 79 games. Longquist took longer. There was a comment that somebody just said wrong, Phil. I like that one. That was <laughs> I, like I can't pop up when people are like, "You're right, Grumpy," or "You're wrong, Phil," because I don't remember the context and well, it happened. That's okay because it's pretty much any comment that Phil makes. Just say wrong, Phil. <laughs> Very easy. <laughs> I just I just think of that like that Trump clip from the uh, Hillary debates. Wrong. 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 <laughs> the little memes. The meme economy. <laughs> and he was right. Wrong. Sal P says, and look at that great shirt of Maddie and the Jags at the merchandise store, which you could find. Um, Forsberg is a great player. I doubt he's going to want to come playing in no offense system. Hey, Philip, forget about scoring. Drop back into the zone and defend and defend. Uh, try to make some things happen. Just dump it out. Now, don't try to don't try to make things happen. 
don't try to make things happen. Just dump it out. Yeah. Now, do you think that we've talked about this before? We have no earthly idea. I want to ask now as things get closer and it looks like, hey, you're not that the the, 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 the natural predators are not re-signing Forsberg. He's going to be a free agent this offseason, going to be traded. Um, probably going to be a free agent this offseason. Do we think that Barry and Forsberg had a good relationship in the limited time he was in Nashville? It's so impossible to know. I think they had a great relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they were best of buddies. Barry Forsberg came in as an 18-year-old, I think, and Barry, Barry was like, hated his guts. <laughs> You're young, you suck. We know he didn't get along with Burakovsky, who's going to be another big free agent this summer. Who's going to be overpaid by someone? I don't want to overpay Burakovsky. Here's my, I'll give you my nightmare scenario. My nightmare scenario is that Lou signs Kadri to like seven years, eight million. Oh, that is my nightmare. Because someone is going to make a very big, gigantic mistake and give him that kind of money. And Lou did his Toronto deal. So he knows this player. Oh, and he's Lord. a good player, but like, oh, God, he's oh, not this good. He's already eclipsed his career numbers oh. in like, 45 games. That's my nightmare scenario. I didn't even think of that as a nightmare possibility, but now that's, it's that's just the nightmare. In. Oh, shit. Just when they announced that they signed, everyone's going to be like, oh, Forsberg, good drug deal. And then all of a sudden, like, Nazem Kadri with the Islanders, 8.6 million on a six-year deal. And you're just going to be like, holy shit, what did we just do here? <laughs> oh, my God. I it's going to happen, boys. Um, Jesus. Uh, TJ, can you put Sal's comment back up? Yes, I can. Phil, I'm sure you've heard of Matt Barzell liking the tweet from... Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it up. I totally forgot about that. The like and unlike. I've, yeah, I saw it. <sighs> what, do you, what do you make of that, Phil? Yeah, what do you make of that? I make nothing of that. Okay, oh, wow. let, me, let me post up. Damn, Phil's facts must be on the payroll. Oh, yeah. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't care. You have, you have a player who has who is under team control... And ultimately, I don't think he's going to decide whether or not he's going to stay or leave because of a Martin St. Louis 50-second soundbite. Would he like to score 85 points as opposed to 65? Sure. Just just to bring it back up, this was, again, long story short, Marty St. Louis talks about how sometimes systems can shackle very talented players and it takes the reads out of games and sometimes it can hinder very very special players and make them average matt barzell liked the tweet then was unlike the tweet after the game again i don't think it's going to make him say i want to play for for marty st louis i just think it means that again we've talked about the frustration we've seen visibly on the ice i think this just further validates that matt barzell is frustrated under barry trotz validation you agree that that's a possibility validation yeah yeah i think a lot of players are frustrated with with a lot of things this year I so think what the hell's like going him. on in your house over there? <laughs> I hear a lot of noise. Um, it looks like my my wife is taking out some fruit. Ooh, I'm about hungry. I haven't eaten some dinner yet, Grumpy. She's I was going to go maybe with a little six hot dog special tonight. I'm not sure. But I think the sodium is messed up. I got I to gotta tone it back a little bit on the sodium intake. So let me ask you a question. You're a tweet guy, right, Phil? You do a lot of tweets. Now, do yeah. you like tweets? Do you like things? I like some things, yeah. How many tweets have you liked over your time? Like I said, Matt Barzell, 425 likes. Is that so a lot of likes? It wasn't done by accident. But I think no, Phil, it's, it's certainly not done by accident. But Phil, Phil agrees that he's probably unhappy under I, I, I just want to know if that's a lot. I don't know enough about Twitter to comment. So I'm going to 
Bill's a big Twitter guy. Tweets, right? You know, Bill's facts, tweets his little stuff out. And there's a lot of, li- how many likes do you have in your history? I have no idea. A lot. More, many. More than 425? Sure. But I'm more active than Barzell is. That's why. And Matt Barzell oh. doesn't go on Twitter that often. So it just made it very odd that he jumped on Twitter, liked that tweet. I mean, doesn't, it's not like that Matt Barzell's living no, on he, Twitter. No, he deliberately liked that tweet. I think, I think he liked what it said there. I, I, listen, I think if you interviewed him candidly after each one of the seasons, even with the long runs, he would say, oh, man, I wish I could just go and, and play my game and do whatever the heck I want to do. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's all of a sudden going to jump ship. I'm sure there's a lot of things that a lot of players and a lot of teams are, are frustrated with at times. Um, um, I mean, Mitch Marner at the end of every playoff series that the Leafs lose looks like hell, looks like he'd rather be anywhere but Toronto. That doesn't mean he wasn't he was wasn't going to resign with them. What if you get a couple of soda pops in old Matty B, and you ask him, "Hey, what do you think about Barry Trotz?" He, he sucks. Maybe. I, I, I worry about that long term too. I really do. And I don't want, I, we've talked about it. That's why I don't believe in a full rebuild. I believe in some sort of modification. You've got to change things up. You've got to get a little bit of a younger look. You've got to get ingratiated with what the current NHL is today. I think sticking with an old antiquated, old antiquated, slow, grinded out, big defensemen who are immobile doesn't work. I mean, you can get away with clutching and grabbing in the playoffs. But when we looked at what we tried to roll out there this year, just wasn't successful for a multitude of reasons. Again, that old style of, hey, I mean, Mayfield is more meant as an old style defenseman. He gets away with a lot of clutching and grabbing in the regular season, but all that gets a pretty much always scot-free in the playoffs. And Zahano Chard is the same thing. But Mayfield, he gets Mayfield by the way, he is an underrated offensive defenseman. He I thinks think he's he, better offensively than he really is. What? He thinks he's better off. I mean, was it like you were living in a diner over there, Phil? Uh, he thinks, you know, like the plates. I don't care. No, legally. Look at that. You're making Phil self conscious. He's muting himself every single time. Look you know at that. You just see the plates clanking in the diner all the time. That's what it sounds like. That's all. I'm hungry. I want to eat at Phil's house. I'm making a trip. I just, I don't know what the hell I was going to talk about. Now. I don't either. I don't. <laughs> that Mayfield thinks he's better offensively yeah, he th- than he is. He thinks he's better than he is, and he actually is defensively. I think that's a big. He thinks he thinks he's an offensive player. He's not. He's he's not an offensive player. It's just I think he has good instincts. I think he he makes good reads in the offensive zone. I like that play where he went to the slot yesterday and all and almost had a chance there. That pass off the boards to Sezikis, the eighty foot pass that he had to Barzell a couple of weeks ago. He just does things that you wouldn't expect. He, you know, coming down the right side and and feeding Sezikis for the game tying goal against Philly. The snipe that's my against. Boy. Scott's my boy, just to let you know. I love Scott. I, I love him Scott. too. But I think he thinks that he thinks he's Bobby Orr sometimes. And he does. He does. That, that, that's my only issue with him. Um, got Tony Chi saying, my parents only got along when they both dislike someone. Thanks, Phil, for bringing, for bringing TJ and Crumpy together, if only for a few moments. Uh, Jer Ben saying. I just wonder if Tony's parents were happy when they were hanging out with Tony then. No, they're talking about you and I as Tony's parents, Grump. I understand. I wonder if Tony's parents were happy when he was around. Oh, okay. Jeez, man, I got to explain that to you. Jerven uh, saying the very good Islander site said Bailey is now linked to Minnesota. Is what Hacks. the very good Islander site said. Hacks. 
VP said, I love you, Grump, but Brock Nelson is a real good player. I, I don't think he's real good. He's okay. I just think you, now, he's, he's a guy. guy on that freaking hill. He's a guy, and he's been wrong every goddamn year. Okay. There, there's, there's a segment of Brock haters, and it's like a religion. And it's, it's kind of like. I know Grumpy's the the president of it, and then there's a couple of followers. He's the president of that and the I hate Josh Bailey club. So he's a very busy man. So so the Josh Bailey hate club was 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 just overblown and overkill, really up until this season, because he was never just irredeemably bad until this year, where the people who say that Josh Bailey's elite was just doing it to get under, at least for the most part, under those people's skin. Then you have the, the Brock Nelson people. And I guess earlier in his career when he was 24, 25, you just expected more from him. A big defenseman. He's got decent skating ability, a real good shot. You wanted more consistency out of him. But really, since Barry took over, there is absolutely no justifiable reason why anyone should hate Brock Nelson. He's soft. He's freaking soft as shit. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. What I sure. love I don't his thing. His thing. I guess when I I guess when you look back on Croc Nelson's career, and he's not a defenseman, Phil, he's a center. Um, but when you look back on Croc's career when it's all over, you know what you're gonna say? Oh yeah, he was okay. Played for the Islanders there. Yeah, he was all right. That's the most you're gonna say about it. Oh man, I, I put my money down to see Croc Arino score an empty netter or score four goals against a miserable Montreal team. Croc Nelson will be remembered as a a forward for the Islanders that played and was very who was a very solid player. That was what Brock Nelson's legacy will solid be. Solid player. He was a solid what player. What else do you want for a second line center? Do when, I want a guy? You're not gonna get Hall of Famers as second when, line centers, Grump. What the hell you want as a second he was, line guy? He was a solid player when Barry Trotz was his coach, because I think he's benefited more from Barry Trotz than any other player on the roster. I agree. Yeah. And by the way, everyone, everyone talks about, Oh, you go to play for Trotz and automatically you shave off like 400 points. There are only two people who moved dramatically off of their career averages hey, yo. since Barry took over and Barzell didn't have a career average. He just had one career year. Barzell took a dip of 20 points and Brock added 20 points. Every other player has more or less bounced around their career average. Well, Alexander Ovechkin was... team the Jags, Phil. That's why. Put, put up all these numbers. Put up oh, all these numbers. I can't. I, here's the thing. And Ovi is not a fair comparison for me to use because we don't have any Hall of Famers. When we look at the stats, Alexander Ovechkin had four years, I think, before Trotz. He had every single year he was on more than a point a game average. I think it was two out of the four years under Trotz. Or two out, let me pull it up for you. I've done this before. and I have dipped that dramatically. I've looked at it with other people before, but um, let me make sure. Again, you're you're talking you're talking maybe maybe five it's, to seven percent at points, most. The points the thing is, they had one year. He had one year where he was under the point of game average before trots. That was 2011, 2012, and that was I can't remember who the hell the coach was for Washington at that time period. And then out of the four years he was with trots, I believe it was he had two of those four years he was the at first two, the first three. Okay, gotcha. 15, 16, and 17, 18, right? No, no, no. 14, that 15 was was game. That was, or I, when the hell did Trots come in? 14, 15. It was from 14, 15 until 17, 18. I wish he was still there. We'd be so, a better team. So point he, a game, a little less than point a game. Yeah, he had two, two of the four years, he was less than a point a game. Okay. And then, you're, not, you're, not, you're not talking about a 20 point drop here. You're talking about. He was still leading the NHL in goals. So, I mean, like the guy, again, the guy's a Hall of Famer. And again, it's unfair to use him as an example. Pull, and, uh, pull up John Carlson. 
My God, Phil and TJ are the freaking same. I hate the both of them. <laughs> sick of me, honestly. All righty. So what Trotz left after was it? So 14-15. So he, he, he jumped dramatically when Trotz took over. Huge jump. The, the Trotz bump, as we call it, from 37 points to 55 points. Then he went back to 39. We, okay, call, we also say that. Can we 39 all... points in 56 games. Yeah, he couldn't stay healthy. Okay. Barry drove him into the ground and got him injured. Good job, Barry. Oh, okay. After Trot, what Trotz left, he was at, he's been here the last four years. I mean, seventy points, and then he was over a point a game for a defenseman. Then in a COVID bubble or the, in, in a COVID truncated season, he's at he still forty-four until points. Trotz came in and made him into a horse. Let's get Look, real. His plus minus is so much better. He's just been better since Barry Trotz hasn't been there. Oh, stop it. Uh, Trotz invented John Carlson. Maybe he did really have a lot to play with a large role of him. I mean, he's again the he defense. Did, of course, he, he did. did. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying when you're talking about point production, his point production has still been there post Trotz. I can argue and say the guy was young. Good players are always destined to be good players. Sure, does it help to well, have a good coach in order to ag, you know? Why don't we put up? My, my question is, who other than Barzell has had a dramatic dip? Whenever it says, "Oh, shave off 25 percent of their production," it just doesn't exist. Why it's, it's, a made, it's made up. Anders Lee, Anders Lee's we, had a dramatic drop, but again, I think Anders it's Lee had a dramatic drop Tavares. because he was playing with John Tavares. Well, I'm just saying you're asking dramatic drops. I just said it was JT, but I, I mean, Anders Lee's had a drop in his production. I mean, like a lot of the guys. That's, again, that's not a Trotz thing. That's the Tavares thing. Why don't we put a Burakowski and Verana? See how they did under Trotz as opposed to those guys. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be better without post. Trotz. Freaking goose eggs when Barry was coached because he never give a young guy a shot, Phil. <laughs> all right uh, get more comments get comments. okay okay um this is a funny one paulo c said yeah phil's facts brock nelson 25 goals only 10 empty netters i think he yeah. only has two empty netters this year but i right. did i did Let's i did like that. i did like that uh <laughs> that it was a pre-save who got the empty net last night he made sure to hustle his ass off he said empty net goal on the way Bam! Like, did you see that <laughs> anders lee that lazy piece of shit never come back to play any defense Look at him driving down there trying to get an empty net or a, an Andrews Lee special. He's <laughs> trying to run through people. <laughs> anything to try to get that goal and make his stat line look good. <laughs> it's like it's How like the, the hell is he on the end of the minute? He can't move out there. Why is he out there in the last two minutes of a tight game? It's like the kid in youth sports who doesn't try hard during the game in action. And as soon as it's like you get your free orange, you get your He's free fat orange kid. He's the fat kid who never will hustle. It's like, okay, go get snacks. <laughs> He's the first guy in line to get his damn snack at the end of the game. Oh, God. Thanks, Andrew. Which, I mean, which six forwards kid. do you want out there? I mean, if I'm thinking of six forwards, they never use Barzal in that situation. Um, Why not? I don't know. You don't He's use a better Martin skater. There. I want guys who can skate. Yeah. I want someone who's defensively responsible in that situation, though. Too. There you go, Matt Barzell. Matt Bar he's, ground, <laughs> he's ground him into the dirt where he's not an offensive player. He won't turn him into a grinder. He should be out there all the time. Oh man. Um, yep. Yeah, and then Tommy B is also agreeing there. Uh, Brock Nelson, one of the better second line centers in the league. I agree with that. No, Mario. Now this is going to cover up Phil's facts. So Phil, if you need to go ahead and run, do some jumping jacks, you can do some. Mario said, I mentioned this before. Uh, coming up, Shosturkin was always regarded as the better goalie. Sorokin's issue coming up in the Russian system was his positioning. He had a tendency to giggle up and down while um, his angles were poor. He needed two pushes to slide from side to side to cover the corners. Sorokin's athleticism made up for his deficiencies. Mario's dead on. 
I was about to say, I know this is something that Phil brought up earlier, so I want to show, hey, we got people who support your facts there, and again, who supported that ideology. BP said, I agree 100%, grumpy about trots. I say this all the time. He's a slave to the system. Brian is so smart. It's scary. <laughs> Except when he disagrees with you about Brock Nelson. That's the only time where he had right. I don't mind people disagreeing with me. It's all right, Phil. I'm not like you. I don't need constant... Uh, you know, oh, Phil's right. Ooh, I don't need that. I don't need uh, that. Um, and Jeremy F saying, how could you not like Austin's our next game? I would have taken him over any of our fourth line players. Cal Clutterbuck should have been moved preemptively. Um, you save $2.5 million or even let's say, you know, $1.8 million with Austin Zarnak over or with Cal Clutterbuck 2.5. But even if you're with Austin Zarnak over Casey Zizekas, you save yourself $1.8 million. And five years. And five years. Yeah. He doesn't you don't do sign, I mean, you don't. You don't sign fourth liners who are 30 years old to six-year extensions, Bill. You just don't do it. I agree. Don't with do that. it. Don't do it. Call me. Listen, call me when it's a problem. I agree. It's going to be a problem at some point. It's just not give, a problem right give now. Give me your number so I can call you right now. If I had your number, I'd be ringing you right now. <laughs> Hold on a second. Phil's is receiving a call. Um, uh, Frank G is saying here, I believe the Islanders have opened it up a lot, especially by Barry standards. you got to play Bailey to advertise him to trade him. Do you think that we've opened it up more to a little bit more of a, a, you know, of a heavier forecheck because we've struggled offensively this year? Do you think that we're opening up or starting to open it up a little more and that's led to a few odd man rushes going the other way you think we've done that under barry trotz's standards so far this year or as of recent i think we're just leading to more odd man rushes because the d are slow true particularly when our d are the guy who are leading the rushes yeah i mean someone pointed out to me he thinks that the reason why the the two-way players on the team like if you think about the two-way forwards it's pajo it's bovillier it's Zizekas. And the reason why the two-way forwards have been struggling more is because they're afraid of getting beat deep on a forecheck and having to race back to a situation where all of a sudden you've got Chara and Green getting smoked and you have Pajo and, and Bo and Zizekas getting away from the game that they were playing last year. And I think there's definitely something to that. I think subconsciously they're just pulling it back and not dialing it in the same way that they were last season when they had more confidence in their back end. So I, th I think there's something to that. Um, got a comment here by Eddie. He said, watching Paint Tribe was getting to me too excited, so I had to come here to listen to Phil. I love it, Eddie. Uh, Ariel C. said here, um, then we better hope that he's available this offseason, talking about um, talking about Forsberg. Uh, Philip Forsberg. Yeah. Now, do you think any team, again, I think that obviously you're going to probably have him being traded to a team as a rental then signing the offseason. Do you think any team, and again, I'm not sure if I haven't looked at every team's cap situation going forward, but Boston, originally when they went ahead and made that trade for what was at the time period, Taylor Hall as a rental, did have cap space, were able to extend him. Do you think there's any team that could do something like that with a guy like Philip Forsberg? A they want to make sure he doesn't hit the off, he doesn't hit the market this offseason. They think he's an excellent talent. We're going to trade to secure that we get him, and we're going to sign him immediately. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think I've seen one of those. I mean, Pajo did it, um, but you're not talking about a massive number. That's five million. Mark the Stone. It's Stone. Stone is the last one I've seen. Taylor uh, Hall. Was, that wasn't a sign and trade though. He was traded to a place where there was cap room, and technically speaking, he could have tested the market, but he was a fit with Boston. I think, you know, off the top of my head, 
Colorado can't do it just because they need to keep room for McKinnon the following year and and for Devontae's who are who are both I think they're both up the same offseason. I could be wrong about that. Taves has two more years left. And McKinnon has one more year? Yeah, McKinnon has one more year. But bottom line is they need they need room for McKinnon and they need, probably are going to want to keep Taze. You know, I, I just don't know. You've got 16 teams using LTIR, and most of those are, are teams that are playoff teams. I don't know necessarily that there's going to be a team that's able to do a sign and trade at that price. You know, you could get the eighth year to bring the price down, and then it's just a matter of is that what Forsberg wants to do? Um, so I guess, I mean, the good news, if you're, you know, for, for the sickos out there who like to torment themselves with these f- flights of fancy as we all do, and, and we're all going to do it tonight. We're going to go to bed thinking that Forsberg is going to be here in July. Forsberg is ours. Forsberg is ours. TJ is going to have a whole segment on it every single episode from now until July, whatever. Yep. Um, at least 10 minutes dedicated to it as well, but there you go. But I mean, the good news is it sounds like Forsberg is not staying in Nashville and is going to test the open market. He did that with Tarasenko last year, Phil. How did that turn out for you, DJ? Well, Very Tarasenko sad. went nowhere. He ended up going nowhere. Very sad, especially once I see that his shoulder's looking A-OK. He's bounced back in every regard. <laughs> so sad. I had yeah. to go ahead and return. I mean, all like, if, if you're the Washington Capitals, do you really deal for Philip Forsberg? They've got a window that's on the way closing. And I don't Ran- know. The Rangers, could, the Rangers could do it, but they can't sign him, though. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers end up landing him. And then they would be a much Connor McMichael's team. a left wing. Connor McMichael's a left wing. And now I think about like pieces they would have to give up, right? I assume Connor McMichael's going to have to go the other way. I assume there's going to be picks that are going to be involved. I mean, Philip Forsberg is going to be expensive to whoever trades for him, even if only for rental value. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers are going to – if it's the Rangers, you're giving up a first-rounder and, and one of their best prospects. I just – to me, the Rangers need defense help. They do. I, 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 I'm not even worried about them scoring. I'm worried about them playing some defense. I, I, I'm really surprised that they're, and it's all because of Sisterkin, right? That they're as good as they were this year. I did not expect them to make this type yeah. of I mean, they would, they would be a better offensive team at five on five if they had better defense. I think that alone would help. Yeah. Just getting the puck in, in the offensive zone more. And now I did see a rumor that Cal Clutterbuck, that Joe Sackick was asking and inquiring about Cal Clutterbuck. I think that one is more of a valid rumor, and I think that there is some validity behind it. You talk about the need to add a sandpaper guy who won't cost out that much. I mean, the Islanders, again, you could just say, yeah, I'll retain half the cap hit, too, if it makes things more entertaining there for them, if we get more of a return. We've got cap available. So I, now I think that Cal Clutterbuck will be shopped, and he will probably be traded. I, I mean, like when I think I of think return, so right? That could be a second as much as a second round pick for a guy like Cal Clutterbuck. Maybe value is he's a sandpaper guy. And I feel like every team needs a sandpaper grit guy and a guy who can get under the skin. If you don't have one of those, I think that's valuable to your team. Um, I, I think that is what they need, but why would they go? Maybe they should go after Paul up to Parise. Give him a little bit of pop. They should. And, and Parise, you could get if the Islanders retain half, you get Parise for 375K. Every yeah, team could fit that. Why not do that? I mean, they might actually, they could maybe do both, add both guys. You could do both. And get yourself a second rounder and maybe a fourth or fifth, something mm-hmm. like that. Why not? I mean, because that's what Colorado needs. I'll be honest with you. They're like Tampa was just a couple of years ago. They just need a little bit of some grit guys. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that could be – I'm not saying we'll put them over the top. I still don't think their goaltending is good enough. Yeah, that's the but, difference there. It's Vasilevsky versus Kemper. It's yeah. not even – But but I think that 
it makes them more balanced. It's something that they need. Um, we got coming here from Nick D. You guys got to have a podcast party with Phil, Andy, and Coach Tommy B. Grumpy old man, do you think you can handle that? Put Nicole on there for you, grumpy old man. <laughs> oh, geez, six of- people. So how many? One, two, three, conference call four, at that point. six. Oh, my God. That's a lot uh, of people. Frank if, Andy, if Andy gets on there, uh, we won't be able to say anything on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he talks a lot. <laughs> Frank Day says, um, no adopts and needs to eat his Hulkamania vitamins, Grump. I feel like that's something you grew up with as a kid, Hulkamania vitamins. That's right. Say your prayers and eat your vitamins. <laughs> Hanging and banging all night long. Not the type that Phil's talking about with Josh Bailey, though. Um, Giordano is a great short-term fix for the Islanders on the left-hand side for next year. Why would he come there? I, I don't. I just... I, I, I agree. I think he'd be I, a good fit, but I agree with Grumpy. He won't come here. We never sign anyone. We never sign anyone in any year. I just, I don't understand why people think that all of a sudden Lou's going to break open the bank, the bank of Malkin, and just throw money at all these people. He just, he never does. It never happens. Um, Ariel C said, I don't mind Parisa. He's a hard worker. And if he gets paid league minimum, he's filled the role just finely. And again, yeah. talking about next year too. Um, 100%, 100% agree with Ariel. Daniel D says, Parise would be good with Casey Zizekas on a fourth line, talking about going forward. If you trade him away, then re signing him. Um, uh, Manfred S says, Do I understand a switch of scenery between Anthony Bavillier and Brock Besser? You do it in a heartbeat. I would. Now, would Vancouver do something like that? I don't possibly. Know. Besser really hasn't been that good. I think he's a. I I like him as a player though. I just think he was st- under Travis Green. I just don't. I think he kind of stalled out in his development a little bit. Yeah. But I I mean I I don't know what Boudreaux is doing there. I can't even comment on that. But I mean. But Villiers so up and down too. I don't know. I like I like Besser. I've always. Both, I mean, listen, Besser. It's not like Besser is this forty goal scorer. Yeah. I think I think if you know he has the potential to be because he's got a wicked shot. But we already have Kiefer Bellows on the team though. <laughs> <laughs> when I look at that well, position has been filled already. When I look at Besser's See, not. Bell, I like how I'm able to make you laugh as soon as the podcast starts and just as we're getting into. Exactly. We're right here towards the end. Uh, Mr. B said Bailey and Parise to Minnesota. I don't think Bailey, I don't think Parise would ever go back to Minnesota. Oh, if they traded yeah. him to Minnesota, he just wouldn't show up. <laughs> Ariel C said here. Also, I think we need to stop with the no offense concept with the unrestricted free agents. OV was still able to score into trots, and Nicholas Backstrom was able to produce and score too. Like Ariel is smart. Provide, just to provide the alternate point of view there. Uh, and the alternate how much talent they had compared to what we have on this team right which which fits what i'm saying which basically is everyone saying oh they're not scoring they're scoring less because it's trots no they're scoring less because Tavares left that's what happened he made players he made players around him better yes more so than barzal does yes absolutely i've I've already we've talked well not i'm not trying to cut you off phil but i've talked about that previously as well right as much as people hated john Tavares, he made players around him better and barzi does not do that Correct. Ooh, um, got a got a real world comment here. Uh, I would love to have Tavares, Tavares on my first line center. Barzi is my second, and Crocarino on the third. We had that, that once. We had it for a year, and then and then we screwed it up by having the worst coach ever. <laughs> but I mean, in charge of that much that much talent. See, that was a I very liked, talented team. I, yeah, I liked Nelson as a third line center. 
I really anyone did. who could get Josh Bailey to 72 points, was it? I mean, you're like Superman if you're doing that. His mom couldn't even get him 72 points in the backyard. <laughs> um, we got a few comments. Drew says, looks like TJ's getting stuck getting McDonald's or checkers. Looks like everything takeout's going to be closed at this point. Now, I don't know what I'm going to eat. It's probably going to be oh, hot dogs at home. James S. says, so are we buyers or sellers? If so, who? We're definitely sellers. John P. mentioned a real-world item. We don't like to talk about real-world items on this one, but uh, completely different content. Russia just launched missiles into uh, the capital of Ukraine, Kiev. So uh, not and John, anyone... and John, I his thing. I was gonna wear my. I had it. I had it on today. Eastern New Mexico the University. Eastern New Mexico Greyhound shirt, John. I will wear that tomorrow. Just to let you know. There it is. We're at the end of today's podcast. Number one. Before we give sign offs, I want to thank Phil for being on here. Being always again a great a great guest. A grumpy old man. I need to go. Ah, feels facts. Yeah. Um, but uh, but we love having you on, uh, Phil. But Phil, I, again, I want to give you a chance to do your sign off, and then we'll po we'll post up here uh, your your podcast, your Twitter, so everybody's able to see that as well. That's also all in the link in the description below, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, that's the Top Shelf Hockey Cast. We record at random, no specific schedule. When they come out, you'll see it on my Twitter feed at Phil's Facts, but that's with BD Galloff and David Tuckman. Phil's Facts is always a great Twitter to follow. I must, a must follow Twitter. I do highly recommend. Uh, but Grumpy, what do you always say before we wrap things up on the podcast? I want to say thank you to Mrs. Phil. Well, actually, actually, we helped her tonight by taking <laughs> Phil off of her hands, honestly. So you're welcome, Mrs. Phil. Just like to know that we've helped you out. Uh, but I like to say love and laughter to everyone who listens and even those who don't from TJ, the grumpy old man. And I'm going to throw Phil in there too. We do it honestly. We're just fans and we love you people. And thank you so much for listening. Really. Absolutely. And thank you guys for tuning in. Sorry, I was not able to get to all the comments today. We just had such a good conversation going. I just was only able to pull a few. Thank you so much. We always look at the comments or read the comments. And again, we appreciate your input here on this podcast. We do this for you guys. We're just two fans who love talking hockey, love talking with people in the community about hockey. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you as always, Phil and Grumpy. Thank you for your time tonight as well. My pleasure. Well, have a great evening, uh, and uh, let's go Islanders. Well, let's go embrace the tank correction. So uh, we'll be signing off here.